podcastjuice.net. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Michael Dean Show here on Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean, and joining me as always is Mr. Sean Hill. Sir, how are you? I'm doing well. Broadcasting now live from Oakland, my new uh, my new domicile. So it's uh, it's good to be here. I'm going to be checking out some of the surroundings uh, sometime this week. So if you see a broke down tourist, on, you know, driving down the road, that's me. All right, Oakland, Oaktown, Oaktown, yes, count three five seven. <laughs> Man, the Bay, huh? So when did you get in there? When did you get in town? Uh, Thursday afternoon. All right. Right. Drove, drove, loaded the car up from San Diego and hit the road. It was a long, hot ride. The, the car doesn't have AC, ah, so I, I, yeah. So I had to ride with the windows down for the whole trip, and uh, it's been hot out here. I know at one point it had to be over a hundred, uh, but Oakland's cool. I mean, when I say cool, I mean the the temperature is a lot cooler than than where I've been. So I'm looking forward to kind of enjoying uh, that aspect of it. All right. You know, you weren't uh, driving down the highway. With just a pair of shorts on, no, <laughs> no shirt. I, like, Who's that black man? <laughs> maybe I should have at some point, but, but I've uh, done that. Uh, okay, <laughs> but it, it was. Uh, I could not see out of my back windshield at all because I had the car was loaded, oh, uh, <laughs> loaded to bear. So uh, making turns and changing lanes that was was a bit strenuous, but uh, but we made it here safely. So that's all that matters. All right, all right. And also joining us, you hear him coming in with some, some Russell. Here? The show starts at 11 o'clock, sir. <laughs> <laughs> of course we are going. Uh, joining us is Big Sexy and Sack. How are you, sir? Uh, what it is, gentlemen. Uh, moving kind of slow, a little congested, but it's all right. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. All right. Oh, Big Sexy. Where, where's my welcoming committee, man? I'm in, I'm, I'm are you settled in yet? Uh, somewhat. As settled as I can be right now. Damn. I'll have to do something about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk offline. <laughs> now, Big Sexy, I saw you posted something on uh, Facebook this week. Was it the temperatures like in the hundreds or something? <sighs> Man, it was hot this week. And the thing is, in my uh, my primary vehicle, I need my AC recharge. So I went to uh, my mechanic, and he's doing the recharge, and it turns out, that my low pressure port valve needs to be replaced. Now this is in the uh, Range Rover. The Range Rover. Oh man. Yes. Problems already? Yeah, I've had it for a year. What do you mean problems already? <laughs> so I had to go uh, to the dealer, order the part. Parts here, but I need the tool to put the part on. So I'm still waiting on that. Hopefully it'll be here today. And I've been baking all week. I took out my uh, my backup car, my Expedition, last couple days. Because AC blows nice and sub zero in there, ah. I'm like yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So you they got to so you got to get the part, and then they got then you got to get the part for the part. So exactly. In, in, the, in the words of on. Joe Pesci, "Lethal Weapon." That's how they fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> they gonna get you one way or the other. Yeah. Pay the cost to be the boss. Worse than me, got at the drive through man. I'm telling you. Oh, I, I I ain't mad at y'all. I'm glad I don't have to deal with those types of temperatures. That's that's a little hot. That's yeah, hot. it's a little warm up here, man. It's a little warm. Well, well see, right. Sean is lucky because down in Oakland, it never gets hot like that ever. Oh, okay. Well, hey, that's, that's our West Coast problems. Um, let's see. We want to get things started of uh, this week. Uh, of course, the BET Awards was last Sunday. 
And uh, I know we all saw that. Of course, it was Prince tribute. Uh, Prince was the theme of the show, the tribute. And there was uh, numerous uh, tribute performances. And so I wanted to take this opportunity to talk about some of those, if not all of them. Uh, so I guess let's start at the top. Uh, the first one was uh, Erica Badu, The Roots, and Bilal. And Erica did... The Ballad of Dorothy Parker, which is a song that, looking at the, well, I guess you're looking at the reaction from the crowd. A lot of people knew that song, of course. Um, I I heard some conversations, people didn't know, what song was that? But it's not an easy song to to, to do, to perform uh, well. Uh, I think it took a while for us to even really hear Prince perform that song. I know that he did some performances of that song after the release of the album but it wasn't like it wasn't added to the show you know on a consistent basis and i don't think he really started really performing that song a lot until like well into 2000 2000 uh the 2000 hit and run tour yeah is when he first started doing it like on a on a regular basis in the set list and even and then at that point you know he's got some of the best musicians you know money can buy <laughs> right at that particular time um and even then as much as i enjoy you know I, hey as a purist i you know i know it's not the same as the album you know what i mean like it's, it's gotta have that it's gonna be a different sound just because of the production blah 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 so here we have erica badu and i love i'm a i'm actually a super erica badu fan i had to realize that like a month ago i was like i really fuck with most of all of her stuff i like her new uh album it's a mixtape i guess I jam that like once a week. Uh, I'm like, I really love me some Erica Badu. So I was excited when I saw her get up there. But I'm going to just give my quick opinion. I don't know. Something, there was something missing. I don't know if it was they were trying to kind of have a subdued energy when they were performing. And she kind of just came off kind of like that nonchalant type of vibe. But to me, it just felt like. I don't know if they just didn't have enough time to rehearse it or something, but it just didn't have what it needed. And then some of her, her voice was kind of going a different direction sometimes. And some of the, so I don't know that I was like, I love that they did that song, but that song is, you got to really be on point to do that. And I just didn't feel like I, even as a, as Erica Badu, what she brings, I don't, she didn't bring a hundred percent Erica exactly. Badu. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. You, you hit the nail on the head. That song, although I think you know, I think we would probably all put it in the upper echelon, at least, you know, top mm-hmm. ten of or top twenty of Prince songs. It's not one that is a performance type song, right? So when you think Prince, you know, you think energy, you think the splits, you think you think what Janelle Monae did basically, um, and you know, for her just to be kind of just standing there, like you say, motionless and not putting anything into it other than singing the lyrics was a bit, you know, especially that was the first one of the night. That was, a, you know, a bit of a letdown, but, um, but it did pick, pick up with Bilal, but I, I'll say that for when we get into that one. All right. Big Sexy, what'd you think of? Um, I'm not familiar a lot with a lot of Erica's uh, performances, but I liked it. You know, sure. I'm glad that she came out first. <clears throat> I'm glad that she did something off the beaten path to the masses and 
I thought she did a good job. Again, I'm not familiar enough with her performances to know how her energy level was, but this isn't a song that has a lot of call and response, a lot of high energy to it. Anyway, it's really more contemplative, and I thought she did a good job with it. I, I, I really, really was, was really was pleasantly surprised by it. Okay, all right, all right. Moving on to the next performance here is Bilal. And I wonder at this point, looking back at it, because you know they heavily uh, advertised D'Angelo uh, being, you know, as one of the performers. And I was wondering, I started to wonder if maybe this was going to be the song that he was going to do, and then for whatever reasons he couldn't make it, so they brought in Bilal to do this. Because, and, and I say that to say I think Bilal is an exceptional singer, vocalist. His first album is one of my classic joints. Uh, still, first born, second. Yeah, still bump that. I actually uh, still love the second unreleased album, uh, Shame on Interscope Records, Jimmy Iovine. But that album has burnt. I, just, I, I love, I wish they would have put that out. He could have been, you know, a whole different situation. But he's a very, uh, I think I could say, eccentric type of a singer performer i actually got to see him live here in seattle a couple years back so i know like bringing somebody like him i know he's gonna do his thing he has his own vibe and i don't know how much of the mainstream is 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 up on him but i love that they had him come up there because he's like out of the mainstream you know i mean like he's not somebody you see a lot and he brings his own vibe and i'll say this man to me he brought uh a piece of what's missing, like Prince that really is missing from the game, from a guy that performs and just goes all out awkwardness or be damned. You know what I mean? Like he got up there wearing some shit that another won't dare. <laughs> like what is he got? You know, hair looking wild. Like, okay, he, he's on his dirty mind. You know what I'm saying? All, all he needed was the little bikini trunks. And he would really been like, what the fuck? But that's to me in today's world, his appearance was on some what the fuck compared to everything that's going on. And he just got into the song. It's a song that everybody knows because you've seen Purple Rain and there's a very iconic Prince performance. And I thought that, you know what, he did the Bilal version of it, but he kind of stayed true to Prince. And I love it. He's all on the floor and all that. That's what Prince did. You know, we don't see that type of shit nowadays. Where a cat be like just on some other shit, like what is he doing? But if you, to me, if you look back at some Prince stuff, the early Prince, that's what Prince was doing. It was like, what is this cat doing? Like, I mean, it's beloved to us now because it's nostalgia and it's a part of the, you know, the, the the tradition of it. But it was on some different shit. Like no one was doing stuff like that. And so I love that he went there with that. Like I said, awkwardness be damned. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Big Sexy, what'd you think? You know, again, I'm not familiar with Bilal, and I'd like to talk to you, or I'd like you to talk about why his second album was unreleased, because I was really impressed by him. I really was. I Like you said, he, he was dressed differently, had his own little vibe, he walks out. I'm like, who's this little dude? And he gets into it, I'm listening to his vocal range, I'm like, okay, the range is good. And then he really starts to riff. I'm like, okay, okay. Do you want him, baby? Do you want me? I'm like, do what you do, man. I thought he lit it up. You know, and, I, and I like that he backed up or came after Eric Badu because, to me, these are two people 
out of the norm, and they did songs off the beaten path, and they did them well. I was really impressed with yeah. you know, both openings. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, to, to just jump back into his album, I don't know the particulars of why his album didn't come out, but it was a finished album. Uh, again, he's on the label of Interscope, and you know they obviously had huge success with Dre, uh, Eminem, 50 Cent. You, you hear the Dre influence on Bilal's first album, Dre produced yes. some of the songs on there. And I can only imagine that in Jimmy Iovine's mind, he's probably like, I just want to go with the straight, you know, million dollar sellers out the gate. I don't have to really work at these records. And here is an album. It's an R&B record. It's kind of weird. You know, it's sort of on that, you know, it's a part of that uh, neo soul thing. But I think he pushes the boundaries a little bit on that. And it's it's almost like a in a sense like a Camille is very weird you know how the voices voices and the music and stuff it's funky but it's just different and in his album there are songs to me that fit in that genre and that's a hard thing to push like if you don't know what that is it's hard to sell so I'm just I'm, I'm thinking Jimmy Iovine and he, I don't listen I'm not dissing just, I don't think he really cares about the culture like that to like let me put something that's gonna really help you know what I'm saying? Music, I don't think he really cares about it like that. So he's like, fuck him, I guess. I'm not saying he said fuck him, but... Uh, the album leaked as well. So they probably was like, that's another reason why. Nah, I'm just not going to put it out. Um, there is a song on there called Hollywood that is my jam. Uh, the producers of that song, I think it was Sun Ra, I think is their name. Oh, some really? of my people Some of my people are going to are gonna tell me who their, their name is. But they're a, big, they're a, produ- a production duo... And they did. They took that song back, and they released the album and put their version of that song. It does not hold a candle to Bilal's version, but anyway, um, that was his well, album. Go ahead. Well, I like how you described him because I like when you said, you know, you use the word weird, but in a positive sense, in a sense of not being like everybody else. I think we need exactly. more of that in music. We do, we do. And Bilal has since uh, went independent and has released a few albums uh, that are out there, and he's regularly performing, so he's doing his thing. Um, I think we are joined by Johnny Come Lately. <laughs> and Pooh, are you there? Why well, I got to be all that? Because you late, sir. You know, I got I to gotta put a little belt, you know. But anyway, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, we, we, we're talking about the BET tribute. We're going to go to Sean Hill. Sean, what did you think of the Bilal? Bilal. Uh, Bilal. Sound like something you catch on your feet. Shout out to Ron <laughs> Uh, Bilal's performance of The Beautiful Ones was exquisite. Uh, I have uh, of late become very attached to that song for, for uh, deep personal reasons. So uh, I, was, I was sitting, you know, arms folded, you know, going, okay, Bilal, this is, this is my jam. You better bring it. And he brought it. I mean, he hit every nuance of that song. He did everything perfect. And to do that song, you got to be able to do the screams, and you have to be able to do those right. And he got that right. Um, I, I cannot find any fault with uh, with his performance. Out of all of them, that's the one I I think I've watched it like four or five times, trying to see if I could find something in it to go, oh, nope, nope, you you didn't say that right or or whatever. But no, he he nailed it. So I, I think uh, removing Sheila E, I think he his performance was the was the performance of the night, in my humble opinion. Probably it will be an unpopular opinion because I think I know what most people would say the best one was. But, uh, but for me, that was that was the one. 
All right. Uh, Ant, did you see the – I'm sure you saw the BET performances, right? Yeah, I saw the EBT Awards. All right. Oh. What, 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 so we're, we're just talking strictly about Erica Badu and Bilal at this point. What were your opinions on those two? Bilal, I, I commend him. He, did, he didn't embarrass himself. Um, I think he went a little over the top mimicking Prince on the ground. I'm not comfortable anybody else doing that except Prince. And Erica Badu, she nailed Ballad of Dorothy Parker. I was just shocked. The f- Hello? Oh, we lost him. All right. oh, that, cable, that cable man must have messed up. <laughs> and poor, are you there? All right. Well, he'll jump back on. Uh, he's got some technical difficulties. All right. So moving. The Awards and got, got caught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> are, are we sponsored by Viacom now? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's got the EBT cable. I don't know. But, uh, he'll come back on. All right. Next up is... Uh, Actually, it's uh, Stevie Wonder, uh, Tori Kelly, and Jennifer Hudson. And let me quickly say something. Uh, there was maybe about a month ago. Uh, there, you know, I, I work right next to a, a a theater where they do concerts and stuff. And uh, one of the guys came in. You know, sometimes we do stuff for him, and he was like, "Hey, man, we got. Can I get something made for tonight?" Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Cool, man. Who's who? Are you with? You know, he was in town for the night. He's, oh man, that's uh." Tori Kelly. And I was like, who? He's like, oh, man, Tori. I said, oh, okay. You know, I didn't really know anything about her, right? I had never heard of her. And I was leaving work, and, you know, the show started that night. Uh, but this is something I have never seen of my year and a half working across the street from this place. And they've had everybody, you know, show up for performances. Tori Kelly, these motherfuckers had a line. Well, all the way down the street, cars line, and this is like at five o'clock in the afternoon. That shit probably don't start till eight. It was, let me tell you, it was jam packed with kids out there, man. I have never, I was like, who is, who's Tori Kelly? I'm out the loop. So it was funny when I see her up on stage with an icon, Stevie Wonder. And I, 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 I looked to see that. I guess she's some sort of like American Idol or The Voice. I don't know, one of these TV show oh, con- she contestants. From? She didn't win, I don't think. <clears throat> oh, okay. But she started on there. And of course, and I guess, you know, she's blown up. But I was like, damn, like, there's a whole other music thing going on that I'm totally unaware of. Because if you can be on stage, and, 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 and she's a white girl, you can be on the BET Awards. On stage with Stevie uh, and Pooh. Are you there, sir? All right. If you can be on the Stevie, you know, what Stevie Wonder, then you must be on some, your credentials is beyond deck. So I had to commend Tori Kelly like, damn, and then you doing a Prince tribute? So I had to really pay attention. Uh, but with that said, uh, I'm just going to speak on the Stevie Tori part. Of course, Stevie Wonder is, you know, coming off of the performance with Madonna from the Billboard Awards. And I thought this was cool. I didn't think it was anything super special, but I thought it was cool. It was a good song. Uh, Take Me With You. So it was a nice little duet. You know, in my opinion, Stevie Wonder, you know, he's uh, he's he's untouched. I really can't really critique nothing because he didn't already, he didn't lay the groundwork and he's the master. You can't really critique a master. All I can say is, you know, this was a cool performance. <laughs> 
I'll leave it at that. Sorry, uh, my man, you somebody over there with that good stuff. Uh, yeah, no, and no, Pooh, what'd you think, man? I found that hard to swallow. Pause. Uh, oh, pause. Okay, me too. Um, I know Stevie, Stevie Wonder is a legend. He's an icon. He has done more blind than I will ever accomplish in three lifetimes with two Slow your roll. Slow normal roll. functioning eyes. Slow your roll. <laughs> I'll let him but, go ahead. Keep digging. But Stevie, <laughs> my man, to, to, to paraphrase Mike, my man. You can't do that. You cannot be up there and forget the words to the song. Come on, man. Stevie forgets the words to his own song. Ah, no. No, I'm not giving him a pass. No, no. Come on, man. It's a Prince tribute. I'm sorry. If uh, if Stevie had gone before Prince and Prince forgot the words to knock me off your feet, I'd be like, Prince, you my dude, but you can't do that. You can't do that. So, yeah, I, I was... I saw that performance. I was just like, "Damn!" It's like uh, Willie Mays stumbling in the outfield as a New York Met. Whoa, <laughs> whoa! All right, so let me let me nail you down. Off here. The damn mind. Well, let him go let say his piece. I mean, go. well, let me let me nail you down real quick because you you've already done this publicly. So you gave Stevie Wonder an L, right? Is that L still in standing? You you are giving Stevie Wonder an L. I'm giving him an L for that performance. Yes. Oof. All right, sir. There you go. There you go. I'm, I'm sorry. He, he was flubbing the words to the song. He, his vocals were off. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hope that maybe he just was emotional, and that's why his vocals were off. But I was just like, man, you let this, this, this new little white girl come in and just outdo you? Come on, man. I think Stevie was singing in the wrong key. I think that's just. I, I wish uh, Q was here to, to kind of touch on that. It just sounded to me that his his pitch was off. He, you know, he was he was singing it correctly as far as the, except the, when he forgot the words. Well, except when he forgot he's the words. Singing in the, was, he's singing in the key of life. How about that? he's singing in the key of Stevie? <laughs> I mean, which is which is fine, but you, you can't sing every song in, in the key of Stevie. That, that's well, that's all I'm hey, I, I hear you. All I can say is that it's Stevie Wonder. That's what I'm saying, but I'm not giving Stevie Wonder the, no hell. The, the, the legends can do what they do. Uh, <laughs> Prince even had a teleprompter to read his own lyrics. So if another legend don't know his, I, hey, hey. But I hear you. It's your opinion. We stand on that. Uh, Sean Hill, what'd you think? Um, well, I kind of said my, but I, I just feel that uh, it was a good song. They, they should have did more call and response with, with the audience like Prince used to do. I think that would have uh, energized it a little bit. Um, I mean, it was, it was unremarkable. It was good, but unremarkable. Uh, I, I'm like you, I'm kind of interested to learn, learn a little bit more about this uh, the story, Kelly, and, you know, again, how she got you know, up on the stage and all that, which, I mean, she did a good job, but I mean, it was, it was passable. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. All right. Big sexy. You know, I just uh, took a little brief glimpse at the performance just now after Anthony lost his damn mind. (laughs) And I have to admit, Stevie has done better, but it's like you said, Mike, this is Stevie. You know, he, he is a true legend in this business. A lot of people overuse words like legend and icon and things like that. No, they're not over-applied when it comes to Stevie. And plus, you know, Stevie and Prince were friends, and the guy was just a little caught up. You know, it's all right. It's all right. You know, he was out of his comfort zone, uh, and Tori Kelly, I don't even know who the hell she is. You know, she's an idol voice, you know, X-Factor, whatever person, so be it. She was just, to me, she was just there. It was like she was like a contest winner, 
hey, she was. You know, she just was, you know, on a contest and got to sing with Stevie. Stevie did flub a couple of lines. That's all right. That's no. All right. No. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's all right. Because it's Stevie, and it's not like he went up there and was David Lee Roth and actually forgot shit. He just he flubbed did. it. He just flubbed it. You know, I, you know, like Sean said, it, it, it's passing. You know, it, it was not, I don't think it was a low light by any stretch of the imagination. I think it was, it was okay. It was okay. Stevie's done better, but, he, you know, it was okay. I, I can't, I can't ever give Stevie an L, man. There's just no way. There's no way. All right. You know, it's it's like uh, when, you, when you're dealing with Stevie Wonder or you're dealing with Prince or, or Michael Jackson, you know, it always reminds me of when Sly Stone, like the last public, uh, you know, mainstream performance of Sly, was at the Grammys a few years oh, ago? Oh, yeah, when he came out with the Mohawk. Mohawk. Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm a huge Sly fan. Like that's, you know, for me, it's like Prince, Sly, Michael. And I, I, as a huge, you know, fan of his stuff i just i said that performance i said you know what it was cool it's just cool that a cat like that can actually get up there just if i wanted to go in yeah but i can't because that dude didn't earn the right you know what i'm saying like he didn't i it, there's no way i could go in because he didn't contribute too much so if he had a bad night or a bad one-off performance it's, it's like dude in the totality of what he done done that's nothing like just the fact that he's still up there. So that's kind of how I'm with Stevie, but I can respect what Aunt Pooh said. He's coming from I a different can. perspective. So that's cool. Uh, and how are you going to put Willie Mays out there, man? <laughs> the fuck? Dude, everybody remember that? Come no, on. Well, nobody I've don't, man. You don't I, I've heard that. it. Because I've heard it, it. Because he's punk little reporters. Oh, Willie Mays stumbled in the outfield. Look at Willie Mays' fucking career, man. And it's people want to focus on one play. On the on the team that he finished his career with, get out of here with that. That's the point. They're saying he's t- he stuck around too long. That he got stuck around too damn long. I mean, he's still a legend. He's still the greatest baseball player. I watched that game as a kid. I've seen it several times as an adult. The sun was brutal that day for everybody. Oh, the sun got in his eye. Right. Okay, sports Dude, talk. You're going in left fielder for the A's that that season, playing in left field. He flubbed one. But oh no, people get on Willie. Fuck that. All right, let's bring it back to the BET. <laughs> Get off ESPN. BET. All right, the next part of this performance uh, was Jennifer Hudson. Now, I said this online, and I just watched it again before we hit record. I hadn't seen it since that night. And let me tell you, for me personally, uh, goosebumps. Uh, to me, Jennifer Hudson, I, I, first of all, she just kind of walks out there. And, you know, the music cues up and goes in. And I'm kind of like, okay, here's Purple Rain again. That was my initial thing. Like, uh, I don't really want to hear this song. But I'm and I'm not really all up on Jennifer Hudson. I mean, I know who she is or whatever. But for me, she killed it. Uh, for me, this is the, the best performance of the night. And I say that because it brought emotion to me. Like, the, it brought the emotion I feel like when Prince performs... His shit be emotional, good, sad, whatever it is. He puts on a performance. He looks like he's in pain on some of these songs or he's in joy. But it's like when he does songs like Purple Rain or or The Cross or some of these other ones, he's like, he makes a moment when it doesn't even seem like that would have been the place to have a moment. Um, I think of like, 
and I'm going to go on the super hardcore chart. When he did um, Do Me Baby on the new tour uh, with that video that's out there, that one performance, I can't remember what city that is. Tokyo. Tokyo, yeah. And he just comes out, you know, he... You know, I think Miko has a very extended guitar yes, thing, and then Prince just kind of glides, fucking glides out there, and jumps on the piano, and he just makes a very like it's a sensual but just emotional. It was just like I didn't expect that to be a moment, but he fucking turns it into a moment. And I feel like what she did is I didn't expect it to be anything but a normal Purple Rain performance, but to me, she elevated it into this whole other thing, and I love like toward the end of it and i don't know if that was rehearsed but they sort of let the band play that little you know cadence uh vamp thing toward the end where it's like where the strings would play and she's just like she's still in it so she ain't stopped really singing like the back and then whoever that you know bless that background singer who feels it too and just jumps in it's like and they're doing that whoo and somebody say who and you would expect the crowd to do it but that background singer i know it wasn't rehearsed she just went ahead and did it anyway i was like oh they they feeling it right now like because no i know they want to cut them cameras but i'm like they don't let her they letting her go and i said that was the shit to me like i really felt that performance they just like i said i don't get goosebumps very often but i was like she stepped out or whatever she does at least i never really paid attention and i was like man she's bringing to me, she brought the tradition of the soul singer who can really sing up on stage. Well, we don't see that very often. You don't see that with Beyonce, and I'm not not shaming Beyonce. She's dope what she does. But you don't get to see that singer, that black singer, soul singer, very often. And she put that on TV that night, and I was like, she nailed that shit. You know, she made it her own sort of thing. But it was still Purple Rain because I think Purple Rain to me is uh, rooted in sort of you know those the, the gospel runs the, the the chords of the piano. I think it's illustrated perfectly in the movie Purple Rain when Prince sits at the piano and plays, starts to kind of play a little bit. You yeah. can hear that. You're like, okay, you know, if you know music, you know what he's doing, but he's taking it into a pop world, right? But I was like, and which was a lot of black music particularly the older songs did you know little richard and all these they was just pulling them gospel shit and making them pop songs rock songs so I, to me i was just like she just kind of really brought it home and she performed it in a way that they made no question that's what she was relying on so i i just thought it was beautiful um big sexy what you think well <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna. You know when they on. say whale or something, it's like, uh oh. <laughs> I didn't like it. Hey, that's right. You know, and I think Sean will say the same thing on this one particular point. When there's when there's a performance of Purple Rain, and when Prince would do it, and he could do it long, he could do it short. There's something missing: the guitar solo. This is a song. I'm not saying that's built around the solo. I'm not saying that. But the solo is intricate, and I'm looking at footage of it now, and I see Tori Kelly with a guitar around her neck for no apparent reason, and you don't Man, have why are you person. hating on her? I'm not hating on her. I don't know what a girl is. I'm not hating on her. But, but to be fair, uh, and I don't know, I can't think of the young man's name from The Roots, but he comes up and soloing yeah, while... Yeah, I'm looking at him, too, and yeah. 
And I, and I, and I didn't ask. I, I love that they had him come up there because of his interaction with Prince before. I thought that was just kind of kind of dope. But anyway, go ahead. Anyway, the guitar solo was lacking. Now, as for Miss Hudson, I'm not going to you know question her passion for the piece, but her delivery just did not sit well with me. That's just not my thing. You know, she's up there trying to out Patty LaBelle, Patty LaBelle. And if I want Patty LaBelle, oh, I'm boy. Patty LaBelle. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, I didn't dig it. I didn't get, I didn't dig it. I mean, I know, I know. No, no, pass. Amen. <laughs> I didn't dig it. That was me to get, I had to get some need because it just wasn't, wasn't my thing. All right. And again, I think I'm really critical of it because of the lack of the musical things that go with it. Now, it could have been my man from the roots. They could have went out of the uh, ordinary and got in a guest guitarist. If it were up to me, I would have called Eddie Van Halen. I said, Eddie, come play this. Because. <laughs> nah, they, sh- they should have got Lenny Kravitz. If he's pet. If he Lenny's, not that, yeah, I was gonna say, say Lenny's not that big of a soloist, but I see your point. But I would have got somebody like that and said, look. Give me something. I would have got my man from Living Color. Somebody who plays blistering solos to really lay an interpretation on that. Miko. And Miko. I, I ain't doing shit. Solo yet. Get out of here. Miko's a rhythm guy. Wendy. <laughs> Wendy would have been perfect. Realistically, there's probably nobody they could have gotten to play Prince's solo on the level of Prince, right? Right. True. Anyone they put up there, he would have tore his ass apart because he ain't going to be on uh, some Prince shit. Unless you got Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen. But they ain't going to get Eddie Van Halen on BET Awards. Well, they got Tori Kelly. <laughs> yeah, why not? But she's Tori a current Kelly. person right now. Eddie they Van Halen Eddie is not. Eddie out there, and he'd have brought that striped guitar people to know who the fuck he is. They they now, they would have brought Slash they, for they some, got Slash. But for some Slash Michael Jackson they, they type shit. Get, unless they had a 20-second delay, uh, they wouldn't get Slash on those. Oh, shit. Slash was that. I'm just saying, they probably wasn't going to get on a BET Awards for for Prince. It's not Michael Jackson. It, I don't think they would have. There wouldn't have been nobody who they would have felt like there was any relation to it that they would have brought that we probably would have been happy with because there's really nobody that's on that level right now. And that's another thing. See, going back to performance, I'm looking at the footage now. What the hell was that walking off stage when she's is she done? That's what I'm saying. She's in the moment. That's what, uh, you just gotta understand. You, see, you're not feeling it right now. <laughs> I am not. Where's, but anyway, I, this yeah. is your show. You, this is your point. You go ahead. I'm sorry. I do not feel it. I thought that was a little contrived. I didn't care for it. Again, I'm not saying she was contrived. That's just how it came across to me. Because I'm not familiar with her stuff. But it was not a highlight for me. I did not care for it. I could live without seeing it again. All right. Sean here, what would you think? Uh, I pretty much echo Big Sexy. Uh, I thought it was horrendous. I thought it was just... I hate to say noise pollution, but I just think Damn. that... She was just way, way, way over the top. And if you watch any performance of Purple Rain through, you know, the what thirty years that the song's been in existence, it's never been performed. The vocals have never been performed like that. Now I get she's trying to put her own stamp and her own interpretation on it, whatever. I get that, and she's a great singer. You know, no disrespect to her, but. As I and I said this on Facebook, to me that's not the power of that song. The power of the song is is subtlety. It's it's the subtle and and that build up to the solo. That's the power of that song. That's where to me the goosebumps come. You know, from the the, the guitar solo, then the ooh, 
that that's where the goosebumps come and get in my opinion um so i just thought that it had she maybe had a build-up to maybe the, the more vocal theatrics you know maybe maybe i would have liked it more but you know she came out the gate taking it to church no, she, yep. and, no. and um i just she I, was I, low-key at first uh, if you watch it, it she's not screaming in the beginning yeah, but she's her. Well, no, she's not screaming, but her her vocals are still. Are she's still a strong tough. vocalist. Well, I know, and I I get that. I have no problems with her singing. I mean, she has. She's a great singer. I just it's thought a very that powerful voice. This didn't need that that interpretation. All right, uh, that's all I'm saying. I, I, I will I will put this in the same sort of frame of. Um, and I hear what you're saying. I respect everything you're talking about. I can see what you're saying. I think. Um, it's funny to me because if you look at like, um, and we herald this performance, and I will admit I'm on the other side of the performance, and so I'm not familiar with the song. When Prince got up there with uh, Eric Clapton, I believe it was Eric oh, you talking it, about uh, while my guitar, guitar gently like, weeps. Yes. Yeah. Now I can yes. imagine. And so the sort of when I hear what your your critiques are, I could see how there would be some who would critique him the same way, right? Like you don't hear the song like that. His performance is way over the top. His solo is way over the top. But and it's, but he made it Prince. You know what I mean? Like you have to recognize the greatness of what he did, even if he sort of deviates away from the source material. Well, I, uh, yeah, that was that was him showing off. But and it was. And but 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 I'm saying is, I could see how those who are who grew up with that song or something, and are not familiar with mm-hmm. Prince, if they don't recognize the greatness of Prince, they could be like. This guy, you know, this cat is showboating. Like the song doesn't go like that. Why, what is he doing? Why is he overplaying everybody else? Like who is this? Cat? You know what I'm saying? So I can see it both ways. I can understand what you're saying, and that's how I can kind of see it. it. Was like, yeah, but I think that's to me when you have an artist doing a cover or interpretation of something, they gonna bring themselves in it, and the ones that are really good will go in a different direction than the source material because that's what they, you know, they're doing them. Right, but I understand, right. that's what I said, I understand your point. You make a lot of sense. Um, I, I, but I think with the, with the wild, my guitar, Jimmy Weeks, I don't think there was any criticism of, of his, of his performance. None. Of, well, again, people, I, I'm, I'm speaking to the people who grew up with the song. Again, I don't know them. I'm not familiar with the song. I don't know anyone who knew the song prior, so I don't know what they think. But I would imagine, I'm just saying the same thing could be said if he deviated away from the source material, right? I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying he's not good. I think it was excellent. Like it, yeah. that was, it's, it's, it's one of his classic performances. But I'm well, just saying it's the deviate. same sort of thing, right? He did deviate from it. But the, and if you look at that performance and you look at uh, Jennifer Hudson's, and I think maybe this is just an aesthetic thing, but she was way out in front you know, of the band you know, physically, you know, and Prince was in the middle of the band, and so you can see the people around him right. encouraging him to keep playing. Yeah. Whereas Jennifer Hudson, again, I'm not ripping well, her. Well, no one's not encouraging her to do what she was doing. Uh, wait, 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 I'm not saying I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying from a visual standpoint, all you see is her because she's, so she's the lead performer. Why that's wouldn't she? Right. Why would she be behind the band? I guess I don't understand what you're saying. Well, again, just from a visual standpoint, it doesn't look like uh, it's a collaborative thing. It's not. It's Jennifer Hudson. 
You say that like I'm supposed to be impressed. Well, no, I'm saying they. Well, you don't have to be impressed, but I'm saying yeah. when Prince went up there, he was with a whole bunch of other people. But that, he's still Prince. He, he was just a guitar player. She is exactly. the. It's he her. Right. That's he what I'm saying. So down. you can't compare the two because she's not just a singer. It's Jennifer. This is they bringing her on stage. They aren't bringing Prince on stage. You know what I'm saying? It's a totally different lineup. It'd be different if she was up there with LaBelle, uh, okay. Fantasia. And some other, and they were doing a line Ooh, thing as singers. And if she and if she just started going off and overpowering the other <laughs> singers, then yeah, I can see what you're saying. But that's not what happened. They had a legend up there, Stevie Wonder, who fell back, right, yeah. and said, "Now it's your show." So it's not the same thing. Well, can I say one one, one last thing about the uh, about the wall of my? Uh, this is what I've heard at least. Uh, Prince apparently didn't didn't do rehearsal or sound check with them, so they didn't know what he was was going to do. And it, and if you if you watch their faces, they're watching him to see okay when is this guy going to finish, <laughs> right? Because he just keeps going right. and keeps going, and you can tell <laughs> that he gives like a nod to them, like to say okay, you know I'm I'm done or whatever. So it's 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 kind of cool to watch because are you they finished are, or are you like, done yet? <laughs> Yeah, they they are really they're really in the moment too. With well, him, it's right? Prince. The musician cats are gonna bow down to the great exactly. ones, and it's the same exactly. thing. That's what I say. So for me, that's why I say even if you look at uh, Jennifer, you're not gonna see Stevie Wonder up there. Uh, what is it? All oh, this she going in? Yeah, let me add the chords to this because I feel what she. So I'm just saying it's a different perspective from a musician standpoint. But like I said, we all have. I liked it. You didn't. It, it's cool. We still got to get Ampoo's opinion. Oh, yeah. What'd you think? Um, I've actually <laughs> never watched the entirety. She came out belting, ah! and I was like, okay. And I just kept, oh, she's still screaming. All right, I'm going on to the next. I, I've, <laughs> I did not watch it. Because right. I saw the performance from, was it the Color Purple, when she did her tribute? And I was like, okay, that's sweet. But I don't like it, and I just felt it was going to be more of the same. So I, right. I'm going to trust uh, Big Sexy and Sean, and I think that she did a performance that wasn't uh, aligned with the song itself. All right, we take that and take that as your word. Moving thing, forward, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. One thing you said, Mike. I'm, I'm picturing this. You said, um, had she been on stage with Patti LaBelle, and you know, and Patti LaBelle is. Patty LaBelle, you know, and Fantasia. Yeah, who cares about her? But if Fantasia's you get, just, dope. But she's not a legend. She's not. Okay? She's not a legend. I'm just. She's but she's legend. she is. She's a dope vocalist. I'm not saying she's not. Okay. I'm saying she ain't. Uh, Patty LaBelle. All right. We're going to cry. Make cry face. Fantasia. Hey, that's all right. It's what it sounds like. But go ahead. Uh, yeah, but you get people like that, then you throw in Celine Dion and Aretha Franklin. Right. You beat her all night long because none of them will fall back. <laughs> It will be let's go women, and they will all try to out scream each other, and we'll all go deaf. Well, it'll be it'll probably be like when they did a tribute years before, when it was Patty LaBelle, Rosie, and I think Shaka was up there. Can't remember. I mean, Shaka can scream, but she can't. And, and who and who showboat? Patty. Patty. <laughs> <laughs> but they like, but they fall back and let her. She go, she got she overpowers. Let her go. Yep. You know, you, you ain't got no choice. Yeah, so exactly. you let her you go. Ain't got no choice. And she and, and and she did her thing. And Prince is sitting right there. Like, oh, hey, okay. Do you do your you thing? Take a look. I'm going to out sing Patty. Even at her age, nope. 
Don't even try it. Just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Let her do it. <laughs> Take a look at her performance from Live Aid back in 85. She At the end, she just said, I'm taking over. And she took over. But that's what she do, man. She, but she can do that. All right. Well, we got, we got to move on. We still got more to go. Uh, next up is uh, Maxwell. And uh, his performance started. I didn't think he was going to do a Prince thing. So he started off doing one of his own songs, a new song, um, which was cool. I'm a huge fan of Maxwell, but I, I just like he usually comes with some dope first tracks, be out the gate, like banging. Uh, this one was a little hard for me to get into. And then he goes into Nothing Compares to You. It's another one of these songs where I don't need to really hear uh, anymore because I'm just like tired of hearing that song. So I was shocked that he did it. But he did it with a twist. He changed the lyrics and made it about Prince. Like, you know, nothing compares to Prince, essentially. And um, you know, at one point, he's like, Prince is the truth. And, and he was talking about missing your songs and this and that. He even threw some shade at the other performers of today in that song. I swear he was a part where he said something about they all got records but don't have songs. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was a cool performance. It, again, I'm a fan of Maxwell. I've seen him live. I, I still play the MTV Unplugged. And I just didn't think it was on his level of what he normally brings. But I thought it was cool. I love that it was him, though. Uh, showing that appreciation for Prince uh, because I feel like he draws a lot from, you know, the Prince thing from the falsetto to the way that his mannerisms sometimes on stage and things that he's done in his performances. So I love to see like he had an opportunity to really give it up. Uh, So I dig that. Uh, We'll switch it up. Aunt Pooh, what'd you think of Maxwell? I thought he did a really good job. Um, much better than Madonna, which, you know, as many would say, wasn't saying much. Miles, uh, light years ahead of uh, uh, St. Paul. <laughs> and I, I enjoyed his performance. I think it was very subdued. He, he had, he had the, uh, some of the best vocals of the night. And I liked the, uh, the ad-libs that he put in that uh, paid attention to uh, Prince. So I was down with it. All right. Uh, big sexy insect. And you think St. Paul was worse than uh, Madonna? Damn. You're still no. wrong either way. <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. So you think uh, Sinead Ballhead is better than St. Paul? <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> yes. You out of your yes. fucking mind. That's twice. Well, are you guys judging him on the singing or something? Cause... No, no, this is just beef that he and I have about this particular topic. Uh, but I, I would say that like, Maxwell blow all of them out the water vocally. If he I was saying that song, Maxwell vocally him. he does, and his performance was very good. You know, Maxwell did his thing. He took the song and did it his way, and I thought it was very respectful. I thought it was great, and I have no problem with it. I mean, it was a little more low key, but and I'm not a big Maxwell fan. I'm, I don't dislike him. I'm just really haven't gotten into. In his uh, in his creative stuff yet, but I thought it was okay. I thought it was, I thought it was okay. I thought it was really uh, soulful. I really do. Right. But as far as Ant thinking Saint Paul is worse than Sinead Ballhead, he's out of fucking mind. All right. <laughs> well, I would say as a as a man who uh, loves the ladies and you like the slow jams, uh, essential listening. Uh, the second side of the first Maxwell album. 
uh, it's a the whole side. And I say it's side because I just remember buying it as a cassette tape. That is a panty dropper, day dropping, top to bottom. Like if you don't close the deal with that, then you really need to get out of the game. You might need to go on the other side. Damn. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Sean Hill. Uh, I thought it was uh, exquisite, and the thing of it is that we actually got a tribute of that song to Prince and not Sinead O'Connor, since Madonna did the Sinead O'Connor version, and Maxwell actually did the version as it was written with the, the coda, the uh, dun, 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 or the turnaround, I guess. Um, I did like that, you know, he, I'm typically not big on changing lyrics, but uh, I thought for this, it, it fit perfectly. Uh, it seemed just from from watching just his facial expression, it looked like he was really, you know, he wasn't just singing a song; he was feeling what he was singing, and and I really, uh, really appreciated that. I, I kind of wish that, um, you know, the Madonna tribute hadn't happened, and this would have been our first, you know, take on the song. Well, I guess would have been the second take because the the family redid it, but um, but yeah, I, I I and like you, I didn't think he was actually going to do it for so he, he uh, what was it something by the lake or something like that is his new song which uh, is okay but yeah but this one um i would put it number number two uh for the night uh, as far as the performances again i'm, I'm excluding sheila from from the list because that that was just otherworldly but uh but yeah it was it was great and, and good to see maxwell back too it's 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 been a while since he uh he dropped his last album so yeah all right Next up is Janelle Monet, and I will give. I'm going to say that she went all out. Uh, I think of all of the performances tributes, she to me went in the most in terms of the presentation of it. Like she wore wore the outfits, you know. She had the booty out pants. <laughs> Uh, the background dancers sort of dressed in different Prince looks. Uh, I was very impressed. I was like, she knows her Prince history in terms of that. As a young girl like that, I was like, that's dope. You know, um, she did a number of songs. She did a melody performances. Uh, I remember Pop Life. Yep. D- Delirious. Yep, that was the opener. Uh, I Would Die For You. Yep, that was the closer. Kiss. I don't know if was there something I'm missing or not. But uh, my thoughts on it. So I, I love the thought of it. I love the energy of her. I per- personally don't care for her vocals. Something about her vocals in these performances, it just, I don't know. It was not really working for me. But I think that she is, um, like her heart was all into it. And so I was into it because of that. And I love the songs that she chose. I was like, this is dope to hear these songs in today. Like, it's just cool. And, like, when it goes into pop life, I was like, this song is a no-brainer song. Like, it just works regardless to me. I just, it's just a smooth, dope. I was like, I wish they could have did that a little longer. And, I, you know, any female that's got the, that, you know, has a testicular attitude. <laughs> oh, t- wow. <laughs> that's not been confirmed. Well, hey, I'm not going. I'm still holding out hope. Well, I'm just saying she has the attitude to, to, to and the braveness to put those pants on with the ass out. Woo! I tip my hat. I'm like, okay, that was dope. You know, I wish it was a little bigger cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Hey man, it was enough. It was enough. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, I wish you know. But I was like, wow, okay. Hey, she's she's all in. She's going all purple. I I dig it, man. So I loved, you know, I just loved the thought of it. I just didn't think that. Personally, let me say this. And I dig, I I did dig some of the her last album, uh, Electric Lady, the the title track. That's one of my jams. But I just don't think that she's really. That's gonna sound bad. I don't think she's that good. If what? that makes any sense, no. like I love her energy and stuff, but the dancing stuff, I was kind of, eh, what are you doing? <laughs> and and again, her vocals, that was just all right. They wasn't like she doesn't really have a voice voice, where it's like I hear it and I'd be like, oh, that's on some gene. okay. So I just. And part of it, and I'm, and I'm hating a little bit, I guess you can say that. I just don't feel like, I'm not understanding why she's in the positions that she is. They don't really have no cuts. Like, I don't really understand. Like, how, what, is anybody really bumping her stuff like that? But that's just my own personal thing. But I love what she did. I love that she's a fan of Prince. I love that Prince recognized her talents and worked with her. Because I think there's somebody, a person like that, she's got to, the whole band and all that energy around it, you need to sort of support that type of stuff. I just want her to be better. Um, but I thought this was a cool performance by a young person who's got a lot of energy and brought something to it. So I respect that. You know, I, I give her props for that. Uh, Sean Hill, what do you think? Uh, I thought it was a good performance. I, I thought that out of all of them, I think she was kind of best able to kind of capture a little bit of Prince's energy uh, she did kind of look like him when she first came out in the, in the "Baby I'm a Star," mm-hmm. you know, white outfit from the uh, uh, from the video. Uh, yeah, um, I did like her. Uh, we and you forgot. Uh, she also did "Kiss" too. We forgot that one. I said that. Uh, oh, you did. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I thought she picked uh, you know some you know some obscure stuff you know to, you know pop life. I guess is somewhat obscure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought uh, even the the dance, uh, the I would die for you, you know, kind of dance. She she got that right again. I thought maybe she should have, you know, done a little crowd participation with the you, I would, you know, that thing. But mm-hmm. other than that, yeah, it was it, it was good. It, it seemed, and maybe I'll touch on that in the um, conclusion. But it seemed the audience wasn't really feeling a lot of the these these tributes just from. I was very critical. I think I posted this on Facebook about the the audience reaction shots. There were way too many of those. I, I don't care what Sam Jackson, you know, or, or whoever Spike Lee or whoever they decide to put the camera on, what their reaction is. Keep the camera on stage. I want to see the performances. I don't care about them. So. You look at them audience reaction shots to Jennifer Hudson, though. <laughs> they were on their motherfucking feet, hands in the air. But yeah, that's another. Story. I wasn't. I was at concessions. Let's see. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no. But you know, hers was. I, I I liked it. And yeah, you're you're right though. As far as her popularity, because I have like I think I have all of her albums, and I like them. But I can't go to. There's not a song that I can go to and go. You know, there's no like you know Brown Sugar. There's no um, uh, uh, Ascension by Maxwell. There's no. At least in my opinion, there's no like song you go to go oh that's that's the cut that's the jam but you know she is a very talented musician as, and as you said prince definitely saw some in her and i mean she even did the last tribute what the uh the lifetime achievement which was what five six years mm-hmm. ago yeah, that's right 
So. She did Let's Go Crazy. Let's Go Crazy. That's right. Do you That's remember right. what that performance they started off? Oh, they started off with Girl. I don't know if you remember that. That was so dope. <laughs> Yeah. Like the band started to play that, I was like, "Oh shit!" But anyway, go ahead. No, that's good. All right, uh, Ampu. Uh, first of all, I love Janelle Monae. Janelle Monae is freaking awesome. I loved her last album, her duet with uh, Erica Badu, Queen. You got it. That's a must listen song. Um, this performance, again, I love her energy. Uh, I love the dance she tried, but. Her song selection had a, left a lot to be desired. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Delirious. To me, Kiss is not a song that can be performed live, even by Prince. I've rarely I, I found a good performance of Prince with Kiss. Um, I Would Die For You, never been a big fan of that song. And she didn't have a lot of audience participation with it. The only song that I, I, I really liked that she did was Pop Life. I just wish, I think if she had found some songs that really fit for her, it would have been even better, but as such, a nice um, uh, parrot. Not gonna say parody. You know, a nice imitation, so to speak. Uh, and I, it was authentic, but I wish she had did different songs. Uh, the only one I really liked was Pop Life. Okay. Uh, big sexy. As usual, Anthony gets it wrong. What? Okay. You've never heard a good performance of Kiss, man. Put in the Rave into the New Year DVD and fall back. Okay, please. Sorry. He, he levels it. Now he, that's that's the one. Uh, I do agree with that on Janelle Monae and her uh, song Queen. I never heard Queen, Queen until Prince did a remix of it back on his. Uh, uh, what, what? There was some video streaming service he was doing back in 2013, where he showed a lot of performance from Chicago, and he would just come on at all hours of the night and say, we're doing this. And so it, they did a remix of that song, which I really liked, which inspired me to buy the album. I thought her performance was high, high energy, but that's what she does with a little, you know, pompadour haircut. I thought she did a good job. She was uh, wearing the outfits, doing the deal, little subdued version of the bootyless pants. I, I, She gave me what I expected, honestly. You know, I, if, in fact, if anybody would have come out in front of the revolution i thought it would have been her but we didn't get that but her band did a good good job and it was a nice little for lack of a better phrase warm-up to what's coming now but i thought she did a good job all right you know the thing with uh janelle is interesting is because to me she was the most like rooted into the print stuff in terms of like you know visually and everything but i but then you see what it's, you could do this with all of them to a degree. But the thing that was missing, and somebody's playing it because I can hear it, she didn't have that sexiness or something. You know what I mean? It was like it was that fierceness that Prince can bring was the thing that was missing. So it's like you can dress up something that looks all the part and everything, but if it doesn't, it's still missing that eh. And I just that's to me it is so apparent when she was performing. She doesn't have that uh, like damn. So so as a woman, when I see her as a woman, I'm like she doesn't come across like damn. She is fun, sexy as heck. You know what I mean? It's just there's a certain energy that just seems to be missing from it. And Prince has that, and he's a dude. Now I don't know if that says something about me or yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, but I'm you know what I'm you like, right? Dude. But you know what I'm saying, though. I mean, it's like even with 
and we're going to get to Sheila. But even when Sheila was in the back in the days, she was damn near mimic a prince. But the only thing I was missing from Sheila is you ain't Prince Marfoot. So you can say like everybody and do all that, but you seem to be missing the. Uh, it's like you're trying to be this dude who's may somewhat be trying to have some of your energy and he he pulls that off but you should just be trying to just be a female if, if they follow me I'm like the preacher follow me now you should just be like the female energy thing and then sort of you know channeling him a little bit and I just feel like there was something missing in the Janelle thing that was just like it didn't have that uh, so like at the end when she kind of gets down on her knees like she just destroyed it and she's almost want to cry or something and, she's, uh, and then she just drops the mic and walk off I'm like you didn't hear that like when Prince he will just walk off the stage at the end of his TV performance cause the nigga killed it and you be like yeah ain't no he ain't got to say shit and he gone <laughs> but I just kind of felt like eh you still got work you still have work to do Padawan but uh, but she but, but she's fine <laughs> You're fine as hell. No question about that. Cute. All right. Let's get to the last one. What's that? I just hope she's bad for our team. Hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Next up is, of course, you know, Sheila E. Um, Man, this is a performance. This, I had to watch it a couple times. And I've come to the decision. Here's what I think about this performance. I, I love the symbolism of this performance. I love that it's all the pe- not all the people, but it's the people that I know, and it plays to the hardcore Prince fan because there's so many winks and nods that we'd only get. Like people watching this at home that are not in the Prince, they see them dancers come up there. They don't know what that is. Who, who are these lights? Oh, okay, just some lights getting chicks up there. Whatever. You know, now we know that's the twins. And then we know that's my take. You know what I'm saying? So I love that it plays like that. It's so respectful. I love that Morris Hayes is up there. I love that there's uh, Elise, um, Shelby, uh, Liv. Yeah. I don't know who the other person was. I thought it was Tamar. I, I thought, thought it was Kaika. I know Tamar was up there, but was Tyka up there too? No, I don't think she was on stage. Tyka. If that Tyka was, was I kind of thought that might have been uh, Tamar too. I, I love that. I was like, okay, they're go, you know, they're showing good. That's why you're supposed to have them people up there. You know, I wish they would have had Andy or a couple of Jill, whoever. But I'm love that they had. You know, I was like, okay, this is dope. And of course, Sheila E. Uh, and Jerome came up there. Oh, I, yeah, was that, like, that, that was, I was like, okay, I, you know, I was like, they showing the respect, like by having all the people up there to me, it was like Stephen Hill and Sheila, they understand. Okay, great. Uh, the performance itself, like if I listen to it, it's cool. You know, it's exactly what I would expect. And it's probably what Sheila's live show would sound like or something like that. Oh, dope. You know, it's cool. Uh, and so it was just it was dope to me. I think visually looking at it is special because of the people on stage and obviously, you know, where we're at and it's a tribute to Prince and he's not here. 
I love the part where they had Prince say, ladies oh, and gentlemen, Sheila E. You know, that was awesome. That was dope. I was almost like, I would have been like, you know what? Pull a video clip. And, you know, like one of his video and pull where he's saying something. She's not bad for a girl or, yeah. you know, different thing. I would have, that would have been crazy too. But it was dope. And I love, you know, Sheila, uh, you know, in the moment of doing that and stuff, it was just, it was dope. And I love the end, you know, where they bring out, it was the Blue Angel guitar and you know they everybody the hands up and they're holding the guitar i just thought that was cool man and you know they tried to capture it as best they could uh you know sheila running and, and sliding on the stage you know she, she i know she hit. was hurting i know she <laughs> I, was, I was like bless your heart you know what i'm saying like she's she's going in and jerome up there you know doing his thing and stuff like that's cool man so it's kind of like the stevie wonder thing to me I got to give them props because they earned it. You know, they earned the props. I don't think they had the best performance in terms of the music and all that stuff. I still give it for me as Jennifer Hood. And then I would probably say musically, I would say Janelle Bonet's band played a little better. But it's because they had the real people and the the the, uh, the heart behind it. I give it to Sheila and them because I was like, okay, they was there. You know, I could sit here and say, well, where was such and such? And where was this person? Maybe they couldn't make it. Maybe they didn't want to come up there or maybe they weren't invited, whatever. But for this to be on BET, and this is probably going to be the last for a while, big mainstream shout, you know, and good look. It was well respected and was well done in terms of that. Um, Because, you know, for a lot of people, Sheila E is... They, they, they know who Sheila E is, so when you see her and you think of Prince, yeah, okay, it makes a difference. You know, that makes sense. If it was up to me, I would have had my tape in the one holding that guitar. You know, that was her husband, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that's a whole different different thing. But I was, it was dope, man. It was cool. Um, Big Sexy, what'd you think? You know, <clears throat> I thought Sheila, from a performance standpoint initially, just took the stage you know the energy she brought out reminds me of that scene in uh the film great balls of fire where jerry lee lewis performed in front of chuck berry lit his piano on fire and said follow that that's what sheila did she came out there with with everybody and all the people she brought out and you you listed a lot um cat dyson was up there playing guitar you know uh mr hayes everybody people that we've seen currently, people we've seen in the past. Uh, the twins were out there. Maite, and I didn't even know that was Maite initially, but and Maite was running around with Prince, what, 20 years ago? And she didn't miss a step. So she was still doing her thing. Sheila brought the fire. The, the drum set that she used that night, I saw later on, was custom made for this show. She did it for this show. And they got it together. She comes out and does all these things that I've seen her do before. In her set, but it was just cranked up to 10. Uh, every song, the, the selection was perfect. The, the crowd, to me, when she came out with Housequake, they didn't really get into it, which kind of surprised me. But when they hit Erotic City, they were like, okay, now nah, we know this one. Let's get down. Um, at the end, you know, people were saying online that she shouldn't have done Glamorous Life, and she was asked by the producer to close with Glamorous Life. She said, no, no way, absolutely not. We're going to close with his stuff. And so they did. And the thing that really stood out to me the most 
was at the end when she's holding the the guitar with uh, Maite, the looks on both of their faces said it all. They're both trying to maintain their composure. You could see the pure, unconditional love they have for him. And the thing is, they were both involved with him. You know, Sheila and him were engaged apparently at one point. He was married to Maite. And there was no drama bullshit. It was like, look, we both love him. Let's just do this. You need to be here with me. And they went ahead and did it. And they stole the show. Hands down. Are you throwing shade at somebody, Mark? Who? <laughs> um, Miss Housequake herself. Who? Cat. Fuck her. Wow. <laughs> why? Why? Why we got to be on that? I I just, it just sounded like that's what you were. You were throwing a little little shade at her. Man, that would have been dope if Cat was up there, man. <laughs> no, we, we've I, had the discussion offline. You know, I wasn't so. thinking about Cat. You know, everybody else out but there. There's, brought- there's there's obviously some. Hello. Sean? No, no, I was just gonna say there's obviously some some beef between the two of them. So I, 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 I an, an invitation probably was not extended. Well, if I, you well, read the book, Prince was supposed allegedly Prince was smashing both of them at the same time. So it could be that. So. Well, yeah, I mean, let's stick with the performance. There's a lot of rat. There's a lot of drama we could get into. <laughs> I mean, if she wasn't invited, she wouldn't invited. So what? You know, so no, like she's I, a musician. I agree yeah. with you, sir. The dancers are they, they Jerome? <laughs> Jerome, Jerome he did was... Okay, he's been there from day well, one. The twins aren't musicians, but it ain't about musicianship. It's about people who was in who was with Prince apparently, right? That she so, was cool with. Yeah, so it's cool. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but go ahead, finish. Go ahead, and finish, Mark. Or are you done? See, you done? You finish? Anyway. <laughs> Damn. Hey man, shout out to Cat man. She can still do that cat scat. I bet. I'll take your word for it. I mean, they all up there. So, you know, no, but Sheila was just pure fire. Okay. All right. And Pooh, what'd you think? Um, okay. What do you mean, okay? Sean, Mark, Mike, feel free to get the firing squad out for you, boy. Oh, let's, let's do it. Shit him now. Let's do it. Three times in one show. Keep it 100. I thought it was way too much about Sheila. Mm. I thought Sheila E. was campaigning mm. for a residency in Las Vegas. Mm. She I does thought, have a cruise coming. Yep. Talk and that this, talk. This man. was her rehearsal for it. Okay. I know this was all, all, all due respect. She did her damn, she did the damn thing. Um, I, I think she shouldn't have tried to do that slide because <laughs> at 39, I barely get to the ground and get up in a minute. So, <laughs> so I give her props for that, but come on. Chick. But my thing was, I just, it's just too, it was too much featuring Sheila. There was the glamorous mm. life. There was the house quake. There was the erotic city. I just was like, can we get, bring this back to Prince Baby? I'm a star. It's like, I, 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 it's felt like I wanted just a little something more, like a different song, a different set list to just really play up Prince. She did America. Yeah, can, why? Because then she brought out a guitar to say, hey, I can do this too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm keeping, yeah. This was her campaigning for that Las Vegas residency. And that, that's, that, that's the only low-key hating I have on this performance. Because for me, and I, know we, I don't know if we're going to get on our wish list, but for me, the fact that there wasn't a lot of members from her band 
that there wasn't a lot of uh, members from the band that he would, where was Third Eye Girl? Ain't none of them for anything, even mm. on stage, just to, just to be there in solidarity mm. from the MPG. And even more so, what I wanted was, Wendy, yes, Lisa, is the water warming up? Can mm. we get a computer blue jam with the revolution? It's like Prince is synonymous with the revolution. And I know there's probably the programmers that put this on that has something to say, but I really feel it's telling that no member of the revolution was there. I don't know if they were asked. I don't know if they declined for whatever reason, but I find that telling. I just thought as good as the performance, I love the, I mean, you got Jerome. Okay, let me take that back, Jerome. Jerome was a member of the revolution, so they got one. You got Jerome up there, but none of the other members of the revolution. And it was just too much about Sheila. Even though she did do the damn thing, I give her props. I love the fact that she got the housequake, even though most people in the audience did not know that song. Like, what the fuck was this? And I say to, I say my best big sexy impersonation, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, great, but it was too much about Sheila. Although that end with the, when I realized it was the Blue Angel, I got to give him props. Yeah, you know, um, if if she had done her new single first, <laughs> then I, and I thought she was going to, because I, I was like, yeah, I don't know, but, but she didn't. She kept it strictly to the songs that they did, so I was cool. But I could understand your point as well. Some people have said that. I've seen people say that. You know, hey, it it, it is with the whole the whole show is about making money. Let's keep it one hundred. That's the only reason they did the show. That's why they do the show every year. It ain't to be doing nothing but getting ratings. So there is that level of it. Uh, this is America. But uh, lastly, let me just go. We're gonna do this real quick. Uh, just tell me your top I, performance. I didn't, go, I didn't go. I didn't go. Oh, I'm sorry. Damn, I thought, I thought you started off. Uh, Sean Hill. My bad. I can't go. Um, <laughs> um, I kind of echo uh, Ant a little bit. Um, I I <laughs> took fault with uh, her doing the glamorous life. I, of course, we all know the hard, you know, I almost said hard hits. The hardcore know he wrote the song, right? So we know that's a Prince song. But I would say probably what eighty percent of the people in the crowd probably didn't know that was a Prince song. Um, I give major props though for starting with Housequake. I don't care who who doesn't know the song, the audience. It was it was just good to hear that song. Now, I'm sure Prince was up in heaven, folding his arms, shaking his head when Sheila did Erotic City. Because we know, uh, <laughs> we know, I thought, I didn't even think she was going to sing the song. I thought it was just going to be the loop uh, just, and going into something else. But, you know, when she actually started performing, like, yeah, Prince wouldn't approve of that. <laughs> you see when she said the word, and I think yeah. it was Shelby looked at her and laughed. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, you said what? <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't bleep it either. No, they didn't. Um, yeah. Wait a minute, uh, she said fuck? Yeah. Wow. It sounded like... Well, I'm, I'm watching it on the like on the website. I don't know if they bleeped uh, it on the TV performance, but... Oh, nothing wow. was bleeped. <clears throat> but, I, Miss, I'm not going to say that word. That's why Prince had to sing the hook? Wow. Well, well go ahead, well, Sean. I, okay. Um, but um, hearing America and, and less work and... You know the stuff that was, you know, again off the beaten path. As I think uh, Big Sexy said, it was, it was, it was good to hear. Like I said, it just my my really only criticism <laughs> is is uh, the glamorous life and that misguided slide. You know, she didn't make it that far uh, <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, but I think uh, I don't remember who said, but the the ending with the looks on their faces and and you could just tell that 
it was, a, you know, a, an emotional, heartbreaking thing, you know, for them to do. And hearing Prince's voice saying that, that, that just gave me goosebumps because I almost for a second, oh, Prince is about to walk out. And then I go, oh, wait, he, you know, he's, he's gone. He's not going to walk out. But that was that was a cool, you know, cool part of it. Um, now, she did release her single the next day, I believe. I think the single dropped either Monday or that Tuesday, which, Aunt Pooh, you can probably add another conspiracy uh, to that list. And uh, I think shortly after that, it was announced that she's going to have a cruise in 2017. I think that was announced either Wednesday or Thursday. So you can, you know, oh, what? question that. Well, actually, I knew the cruise was announced before this. Oh, I didn't. Okay, I saw yeah, it. Yeah, I, I heard cruise about or she, something? There's a yeah. Sheila E. Review cruise. She's about to review. Uh oh. Yeah. So well, I tell you what, if she was able about to get the time the and some of the other people, I would be like, oh, okay. But anyway, shit. If she got the time, I'd go. Yeah, but it was. Uh, it was. You know, <clears throat> not was saying. I said that I was kind of excluding her from her performance from the rest. But I mean, without a doubt, it was. It was the best performance that I and the most and the most personal uh despite just you know the the minor problems that I that I had with and, and they're minor but uh okay. but yeah it was it was awesome and it was and good good to see all of the the old familiar faces as hardcore you know no although I, I got no love for the twins hey, uh, hey, hey, hey. I, hey I told you man they were in Vegas they messed up seven, they screwed up the words of 17 days I knew and I was like no no you can't mess that song up. Mess up any song. Don't mess up seventeen days. So, all they're, right, they're, they're dead to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, okay. So that was your top performance of the night. And Pooh, was your top performance? To me, uh, it'd have to be a tie between Ballad of Dorothy Parker and uh, Sheila E. doing Glamorous Life. All right, Big Sexy. Sheila E. Hands down. All right. All hands right. down. All Easily. Right. No, no discussion. Well, my performance tonight was Bilal. I'm ex- excluding Sheila is Bilal. Okay. And like I said, mine was, was J-Hud. Uh, so there you go. Um, so, yeah, uh, definitely it was a good, good Prince tribute. I mean, I think I think it's, we can say, you know, for what they did and what BET, uh, it was well done. Um, again, like I said, they, I was looking forward to D'Angelo for whatever reason he didn't do it but he already did what I would probably say in my mind might be the best tribute that I saw for a Prince song when he did uh, was that was that Saturday Night Live or was it Jimmy Fallon or something Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon Jimmy Fallon yeah, yeah I, 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 he, already, he already did his so he did his thing I was hoping and I understand they had another show going on that night that the time was going to be the surprise or something um, or the revolution uh, that would have been a head bust if they would have reunited for that. That was yeah. I would have been like, okay. I'm not one to make demands, but I demand to know why they weren't there. That is a good question to ask. Very, very good question. Very good question. Um, so there you go, uh, BET Awards. And another thing. So uh, moving forward from that, uh, the BET Awards actually was. That was a pretty interesting. I ended up watching the whole show, which I haven't done in years. Uh, and of course, there's there's their funny stuff on there too. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, designer uh, man. <laughs> boom 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 boom. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna even put him on the train because I don't know nothing about him. You know, I just watched. I was just. I heard of him before. I've heard that the song is popular, and now finally he said, I was in tears watching him perform. 
And I was like, who is this new age buck dancing? But you know what? Uh, I was talking to Tobias. And he said, man, if you really look at what he's doing. Now, he said, you know, I, I was already like, I was hating. But he's like, dude, if you look at what he's doing, he's he's basically doing his, he's on his Mick Jagger. He was like, his mannerisms and all that little shit he's doing, that's on some Mick Jagger shit. It's just that nobody's doing some shit like that. It just looked crazy. And I was like, looking, I said, okay, I can see what you're saying. I don't know if that's what he's doing, if he's really pulling from that. But I get what you're saying, because it is on some other shit. So, and I, and I respect it, though, because he is on some other, like, I'm not a fan of the song or nothing. But the energy of what he's doing you need to have people doing different shit, uh, even though it may come off strange or whatever. We, particularly in black music, we got to sort of bring that back. Like people, yes. and just like with Bilal, like I said, it's the same thing. Like we got to step out of the norm, you know, and bring some more art into it and bring some di- something different, man. So I can, I can respect that part of it. The music horrible. I don't understand what the fuck they're saying. They're all doing the same cadence and stuff, but that's another story. Um, but what I wanted to bring up was uh, Jesse Williams. Uh, Jesse Williams, he's an actor. He's on what, Grey's Anatomy? Not for much longer. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that headline. Jesse Williams dropped from Grey's but he came up there, and all intents and purposes, you can argue this now. He came up there and dropped some hot fire. You know, he, he, he you know, I, he, he, he said one of them speeches where if he was in somewhat a political slant, he could probably like fuck around and use that to launch him into, you know, a political type of career. But he definitely came with a speech about racism and different things in nature, and I'm sure you've heard of it. It's viral, blah blah blah. So, I salute him. Whatever. But what I want to talk about was one of the things that kind of came off as some backlash uh, with Justin Timberlake. Blacklash? Blacklash. I like that. And he, Justin Timberlake had tweeted on Twitter. I guess he just said a tweet that he was inspired. He was inspired by the speech. And, of course, you know, you're putting it on Twitter. And I would imagine, I don't know for sure, but I'm sure Justin Timberlake has millions of followers followers people that follow him and so when he says something it's gonna go out it's gonna ring out right it's gonna ring out on the internet in the world and a few people uh started trolling him a little bit or you know there's gonna be some pushback (laughs) and they was i don't have them in front of me but it was something to the point of uh you're appropriating black culture or something how are you speaking on this or something like that and the res- I think the thing that sort of set it off was Timberlake's response to what was said to him. And it was a very, I know it's something like, you sweet soul or something. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it plays very condescending. And he said, like, bye, you know, like, uh, whatever type of thing. And then all hell breaks loose for him online. In, in my opinion, as it should. Because if you're going... If you're going to jump into the belly, then you can jump into that hot kitchen. They're going to come for you. And, of course, you know, in a, the quote-unquote black Twitter, they came for his ass. And, and Timberlake, you know, did the smart thing, in my opinion. He apologized, you know, and said, hey, you know, there's misconstrued type of thing. I'm just paraphrasing. And, you know, so I, I didn't mean that, blah, blah, blah. 
And this is, there's been a lot of talk both sides, like, you know, you shouldn't really come at him or, you know, he deserves or whatever. I'm going to give you my quick take and we'll go around. My quick take is to say this. Uh, the thing with Justin Timberlake, I think he has to understand, and maybe he does understand, is that, and this is my opinion, is he appropriating black culture? Uh, I would say yes to a degree. He's doing black, quote-unquote, black music. And I say, quote-unquote. He's doing black music. His music is produced by Timberlake and Pharrell, like his popular stuff, right? Very popular producers that do black music, R&B. And, you know, you've seen him with the cornrows look. <laughs> like right? 15 years ago. Right. You see him with the dance. You know, his Everybody whole thing is, his, his whole thing is, you know, he's doing R&B and he's, and it's considered pop because he's, you know, a mainstream artist. He comes from a pop group. But he's, you know, decidedly doing R&B music, which is, hey, it's black music. It is what it is. Uh, and then, of course, you know, he had that legendary performance with, uh, with Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl where Titty got whipped out. And she was blackballed for that, right? Now, of course, he was up to, he the one pulled the titty out. But he didn't say anything about that. You know, he never came to her defense. He just sort of said, I'm sorry, and bowed out. <laughs> you know? What do you need to do? Well, well, right, but I'm saying he 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 bows out like I ain't I ain't jumping on this sword. Fuck that. <laughs> I got a career. I'm gonna get this paper. And of course, her album, you know, her career ain't never been the same. Right? Sure, it, ain't it, never been the same, well. Well, regardless of the music, I'm just saying she's got a slant on her of that. Now he's even publicly come out and said he was wrong for that. If you don't believe me, you can go look it up. Now he's uh, he said that I should have stood up for Jen because he understands that he was one of the top artists of the game, and if he said something, he's gonna carry some weight. You know, he can sway the game a little bit, solidarity. But he didn't, and he understands that he didn't. And I think that too, particularly in 2016, uh, I saw another gentleman. I think he was on some TV show, and he he said this. He illustrated this point where he said, if you go back and look at Justin Timberlake's Twitter for the last two years. There is nothing on there uh, about black people. Uh, you know, there's nothing. Like, when we've all, and there's been things, you know, there's no Black Lives Matter, whether you agree with that or not. There's no Pray for Baltimore. There's no, wow, did you see what happened here? There was nothing uh, that would taint him in his, you know, he never spoke out on nothing. I mean, he, and so I, I think what I'm saying is that. If you, in a, as a white artist in America, are going to do what is called black music, you have to understand that the marketplace and the fans of said music and the people of that culture will look at you funny style. If all you do is use the, the dance and the music and the look and the people to benefit you. But you never jump on the, those people uh, to show any support when they're collectively going through some shit. It would be the same. To me, it's the same analogy when they look at uh, when, you, when you talk about businesses that come into black neighborhoods, quote unquote, black neighborhoods. And it's like if all you're going to do is set up a shop right here in this neighborhood and just take all the resources. 
and you're not putting anything back into the community, when shit goes down, you can't be surprised if those people in that community turn their back on you. And, you know, in the extreme, burn your shit down. Right. Because they feel like you ain't never. All you did was take. You in our situation, but you, you know, and they may look at you as a guest here. And all you do is just take the stuff that benefits you. But when the stuff that well, when it gets hot for the people that you're taking for, you never really spoke out in any type of solidarity or just nothing. You can't act brand new if they come for your neck. That's just that's just human nature. Whether we agree with that or not, it ain't no different than any other situation. If I was an outsider coming into the NBA and I don't never I don't fuck with sports like that. And I just start running off, you know, ah, yeah. You know, I say something as an outsider. They're going to be looking at me. Who are you? Was you did you go to the game? You, you don't you never even watched the game. You a bandwagon fan. That's what they say. Right. Like, oh, man. Uh, what's the what's the young brother, light skinned brother who was big in sports just a few weeks ago? Steph Curry. Yeah, if I just started coming out, oh man, Steph Curry, he's shit, man. Because he's all in the news. Yeah, he dope, man. Cats would be like, man, you you don't represent the team, homie. Was you ever a fan of the team before then? You you bandwagon, homie. Get the fuck out of here, man. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's what they say, right? You bandwagon, homie. So to me, it's the same sort of thing. He he, a bandwagon. Like, you just love the culture because it can make you some money. And now, I'm, I'm going to say this. And I've listened to uh, Bowlegged Lou from Full Force. Oh, sounds very incredible. No, he is. Because <laughs> Bowlegged Lou produced those cats early on. And he worked with Justin Timberlake back in the days. And he said, Timberlake, man, he's, he loves black music. Like, he, like, when Timberlake and them all used to, and they was, what's the band he was in? Was it Backstreet? In Sync. He said, when, in, when he was producing In Sync, he was like, man, he would be listening to nothing but the oldies. He was all in. Even back then, he was all in. He, like he wanted, he wanted our opinion on what he was doing. Like, and he felt like if we didn't really, like he, you could tell, like it really mattered to him that we thought his shit was authentic. Even before, and he wasn't even trying to be R and B back then, but just in his own personal shit. So he's like, the dude really loved the shit. He loved the culture. So I get that, but I'm just saying, I think the problem was is that. If you don't ever say nothing, when the shit can get hot for you, you're going to look a little suspect. And I think that's why they came for his head a little bit because of that. Now, that's my opinion. Uh, Aunt Pooh, you got anything on this? Um, yeah, I have a few things. Uh, for me, uh, last time I checked, I'm a black. I'm black. I'm a black man. So I'm a black. He's a black. I'm a black. So look at my uh, African American. Go ahead. My, so my opinion matters, right? Here's what I'm fucking tired of. I don't need white daddy to speak about my issues. I don't need white daddy to acknowledge my issues. But you what acknowledge that he, he doesn't say. But you acknowledge he's your daddy. That's interesting. Yeah. No, I'm not saying. I know. I'm talking about everybody else because oh, okay. I'm talking about these people as far as, hey, Justin Timberlake, you're appropriating our culture by doing R&B music, yet you never sp- never speak about our issues. And my thing is, is like, 
I don't need you to speak on my issues. I don't need someone who's not black to speak on my issues, to give voice to my issues, to give voice to my struggles. My question I have to ask is, why do we care that Justin Timberlake never speaks about these things? I can answer that for you. Help me. Well, well, we care again because it's it's the same sort of thing. Like if if a store owner came in your neighborhood and, and, and was taking all the money, you would care where that money is going. You'd have something to say at least, like, "Oh, you you can't be here if you're not gonna contribute to the situation. If all you're gonna do is take, then yeah, there's gonna be people that's not happy about that. I don't think Tristan Timberlake needs to validate. No one's looking for him to validate anything because the movement is gonna Sounds be the like they are. It's gonna be the movement regardless if he says anything or not. But when you do say something like he did, and and I think. Again, timing is everything. It was probably not the best timing for him to say what he said, taking in the full context of what Jesse Williams was talking about and how everyone could get all rah, rah, rah off of that at that particular moment. He probably should have waited to the next day because, again, they're going to come for your neck because they're going to see you as part of the problem, whether you actually are or not. But I'm saying he's in a he's in a business marketplace thing, so he has to care what you think because that's the only way he can get his money. If he didn't care what you think, he would have said, fuck y'all. I'm going to say what I got to say. Let it be damned. But you know that he does care what you think, right? Because that's why he had to apologize. Because he know that would fuck his career. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it matters to him and it matters to the marketplace. Whether it makes sense or not, they're going to decide his fate. And he know that. Otherwise, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have apologized. So he needs you to like him because he knows nowadays he can't just it had been different if it was pre-internet where he could just say some shit and fuck them. They don't they can't ain't nothing they can do to me. But now them cats online are rally the hell out of his ass. He would be bombarded and he would get all his fan base to be. Ah, he kind of, you know, it would turn the narrative on his ass quick. You seen it happen. You see it happen with Donald Sterling. You see it happen with, uh, What's my dude who went after that got sued by Marvin Gaye? Oh, Robin Thicke. They'll turn the narrative on you quick. They seen it happen to Iggy Azalea. So if you jump into that shit, then you gonna be well prepared that they gonna come after. That's why he's like, oh, that's what I say. He was smart to say, you know what? Yeah, ha, let me give this can answer and just take the L because I take the L and still keep your money. <laughs> and that's why I'm saying so. But to answer your question, you're saying well, why do we, we we don't need it? But but again, the 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 uh, the mob rule marketplace, they're not dealing with logic. They just they're gonna make their point, and you can try to prove them right if you want to. But if your existence is based off of them liking you or not, you can't win that battle. Yeah, but I mean, just to, just to bring bring it back, it's like I look at Justin Timberlake. I don't see I don't see a a white artist doing black music. I see just an artist doing some, I see an artist that does some whack music <laughs> and then a couple of jewels here and there. Like, I ain't gonna lie, his last one was it, uh, I forgot, the 2020 experience, I think it was. Mm-hmm. He, he had a couple of cuts on there. He, he worked with Jay-Z. And, I, and I'm looking at this like, okay, you're mad at this artist who can get some of the best black producers to produce really good songs for him but why are you not and, and my first question is, is why are you mad at that because it he sells, jumped into a racially charged conversation if he would have stayed out of that he would have been exactly what you just said but
but he chose to jump into a racially charged conversation that was about people doing what people think he some of them think he does. So if he would have not said nothing, would have just said, yeah, Justin's cool. Don't fuck with Justin. But he jumped into a racially charged conversation. That's why they're mad. He was a fool to do that. Yeah, okay, well. Oh, yo. But I, I, to me, I just don't. I, I, for me, I'm just kind of tired of the whole cultural appropriation thrown at pretty much everyone. And then at the same time, I'm also sick of, well, you do this, so we don't want to fuck with you because you don't talk about our struggles. And it's like, they're not his struggles. I don't need, it's like, for me, it's like, I don't need him. All I, I don't need anybody to validate our struggles, to help with our struggles. I just need you not to uh, inhibit our progress. That's what, I, that's what I want from non-black people. Don't try to inhibit it. Right, but I don't, I don't need you to speak up on it. I don't think anyone needed him to do anything. It's just that right, if, right, if you right. do jump into it, then they will call you to task, homie. It's not what we don't need you to do nothing. We, we, I think the thing is, we don't need you to be a part of it, period. Now, if you want to jump in your open your mouth and jump in, you better make sure your shit is clean. I think that's yeah. what happened. So it, it's on him. I don't I don't think anyone because no one mentioned his name before he said something, did they? Nah, nah. No. So nobody asking. What about what does Justin think? Or what? What nobody asking for his opinion. But, but you want to offer your opinion? Uh, OK. That's what, this is one of them situations where you don't need to talk about everything. You don't need to jump into every conversation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I want it's just a, it's, just, it's the same Internet mentality, man. Like everybody thinks they got to have an opinion. And I think he learned a lesson. Maybe you should keep your opinion to yourself, man, because some of these situations is hot. And it don't make no business sense for you to jump into it. Not in the least bit. Not in the least bit. You know? Uh, big sexy man what's your take on this whole thing you know I can see it on both sides Ant makes some very valid points you know I'm of the mindset that you know don't get in my way you don't have to have an opinion just stay the fuck out of my way but at the same time nobody asked Justin what he thought now I know Justin's heart was in the right place when he wrote inspired because he was moved by Jesse's words you know and when people started barking on him for just the use of that one word he should have just shut up. He should shut up. Because it's going to go south. Mm-hmm. And then he tried to engage in dialogue with people. It's like, dude, you can't win this one. You know, so I can see why people got on him because this was not his fight, but he stuck his nose in it. Uh, he should have just stayed out of it. That's simple. I'm not saying he can't have an opinion. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that if you're going to have an opinion, you can't really soft soap it like you do on Twitter. If you got something to say, you know, get in front of a camera and say it. And he didn't do that. You know, again, I'm not saying that he wasn't moved by uh, what Jesse had to say, but he opened his mouth and put his foot in his mouth. And, you know, it, it bit him in the ass a little bit because a lot of the people who are on him are his fan base, you know, because he does a lot of, you know, black music. So that's going to affect his pocketbook. And like, you know, you said, Mike, he realized that could affect his bottom line. He's like, so, he, so he's like, let me fall back. And shut up, and it'll go away, and it did, for the most part. Yeah, if he had just kept it at inspired, fine, fine. The haters are always going to hate on you. They're going to say something slick. Let them be slick. Indeed. You know, he chose to come with that, my sweet soul. So that's where he fucked up, and then he did buy. You know, now, I'm, he may not have intended it to be condescending, but anyone who got common sense 
And I always say this. When you're at a certain level in the game, don't you think about everything you do first? Like, I, you have to. I don't understand. So you're going to be out there free tweeting <laughs> on a highly racial charge situation and you white? And it's America 2016? <laughs> I don't know who. Like, I don't. What is they not thinking or something? Like, you don't fuck off your career, man, on, a, on some tweets. That's why you shouldn't have said a fucking thing. Like, just, hey, let them clowns talk, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> then that's why it was the second tweet that put him in the hot seat. Because you can't win, man. You, you can't common sense to say, don't say shit, homie. They're going to use this shit against you. So you best to just sit back and just keep collecting them royalty checks. Shut yeah. the fuck up, man. Keep your mouth shut. Exactly. Now they're going to put the, and now the whole narrative comes out. Now they got shows talking about you. And you putting bad spin on your brand. Like, do you win? What's the win? <laughs> I don't see what he win. Was it worth it? That's, that, that's what, and that's what I say. The lesson learned. Maybe you don't speak on everything. When you're on that level, if he was a civilian, you can say what the fuck you want to say. No one cares. When you got any type of notoriety, watch what you do, man. Like, you can't just be out here free tweeting. I don't care if it was a racial situation. It could have been something about women. Could have been something about gays. Yep. Shut up. <laughs> Yo, you don't want to get into that. You don't want to go there. They're going to come for you. But, but I'm right. But they go, yeah, they going. <laughs> you like money? <laughs> <laughs> you can be right or you can be rich. Like if it was a gay situation and he was on some gay TV show, and he was, but he wasn't really gay, and then he came and said some shit like that. He's like, I'm inspired by, you know, uh, what's this, Bruce Jenner's thing. And then some gay person said, but you don't really. And even look. Girlfriend. Girl, you sweet soul. Bye. You they would have <laughs> tore his ass up. They would have went in on it as needed. I mean, you didn't invite that shit. And that's the same so, thing what happened here. It's what happened so with like, Minaj. So yeah. it's like my man from a modern family who is not gay, but plays gay on the show. If he had said something on the whole Bruce Jenner deal, they'd have been like, uh, you need to fall back. Yep. See, see your point. Because that community, they're going to come for your ass. Oh, they will come for you. <laughs> and whether right or wrong, if you want that on you, that's up to you. You're inviting that shit. That's what I'm saying. That's why I say he's just, yeah, I fall back, man. But he learned his lesson. Hopefully he learned. You know what I'm saying? You can't really, you know, you, you can't really be too logical and common sense with the masses like that. It's just ain't how there's millions of them as one of you. You ain't gonna out tweet them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they gonna come. They, I know they gonna do is, and you know how they do nowadays. They gonna, gonna set the rally call out <laughs> and let the games begin. Right? They gonna mime your ass. They gonna hashtag your ass to death. What you gonna do? Reply to all of them? Man, you gonna drown, man. You gonna drown. You sink. So there you go. Uh, but shout out to Justin, man. You know just. Just fall back. You don't want to. You don't want to get in this one, man. Some things you just, just stay back from. I wanted to bring up another thing, just to turn, just to get into uh, another topic, man. Uh, I call this. This is the Empire Strikes Back section. Uh, but the White House. I don't know if this is on. What's on the Washington Post? I would assume that's somewhat mainstream. Yeah, certainly yeah. a creditable journalistic. Situation. So the White House has released uh, its count of civilian deaths 
and the counter counter uh, terrorism operation uh quote unquote these are the people who got killed by drones you know the civilians people that were not terrorists or military people and uh the white house it's, it's interesting it caught my eye cuz these numbers are pretty crazy man uh so the white house report says that there's basically been 64 civilians who've been killed by drone strikes since 2009 uh they don't release what countries this is in, but most people are saying, you know, this is probably in Pakistan and Somalia, Libya, and Yemen, if I'm saying the name right. But the thing that's interesting about this report is that other organizations say that that number is actually much higher. Uh, so, so three of the other big organizations who track these types of things, there's the Bureau of Investigative Journalism. They said that there's at least 325 civilians uh, the New American Foundation says maybe it's this 219. And then the long word journal says it's 212. That's quite a difference between 64. But, you know, I, I wanted to talk about this story because to me, it's like this is something that they're probably not going to blast out on your normal, you know, Fox News or whatever your, you know, your uh, national nightly news or even your local news. They, this is a conversation we don't really want to have, right? Because it's so far away from our reality of just getting up, going to work, or whatever it is that we do. We're not, we don't deal with looking up at the sky, <laughs> right? And just see that plane fly by and cats getting bombed on. Like, nobody's bombing your neighborhood, right? You might have a few little drive-by shootings and that type of But cats ain't getting blown up by just some mystery planes. But there are people that are, right? And I say it's the Empire Strikes Back report because I'm like, you know, if this was Star Wars, if we lived in the Star Wars universe and we lived on uh, Coruscant, they would be like, yo, <laughs> you know, the Emperor, you know, we, we bombed on some rebels this week. You know, here's how many rebels we took down. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't, we may not have to deal with standing toe to toe with Darth Vader or, you know, we ain't going to have no meetings with Palpatine or, or some of those Sith motherfuckers, <laughs> but they are working on our side. So we got to, you know, and they like, yo, we got peace on Coruscant, but we know on the other parts of the galaxy, like it's going down over there on, on uh, the Ewoks. <laughs> you know, it went down over there. A lot of cats was getting their head blown off. So we got to remember, though, as much as we have this thing, there's a price to pay, man. Cats is paying a price, for good or bad, for the good of us. Because they don't do that here. But it, you have to acknowledge that. And and to be clear, this report is from 2009 to 2016, which is the Obama administration. And these are the numbers. You know, Obama said he put in a um, a law basically saying that going forward, each president presidency uh, administration has to release a report like this, you know, to, to uh, let people know what, how many people civilians got caught up. And also that they got to cut checks to the family. You know, and he said the only way around them not doing this is that the, the new president, they would have to literally, you know, make a whole new law to say they don't have to do this. Uh, so it's very interesting stuff, man. Uh, Big Sexy, any 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 thoughts on this stuff here, this information? Well, I was completely unaware of, of this story. Uh, a lot of times, though, a lot of... Um, secondary and tertiary news outlets 
whenever the White House releases a number, they'll always say that number is either low or high. And so sometimes I can, you know, take that with a grain of salt. However, if there are checks that are going to be written because people were wrongfully killed, a lot of this will be tempered by things like, you know, Patriot Act, things like, you know, War Powers Act, and things of that nature. So I don't know. I'd have to look into a little more in depth before I can really speak on it with any authority. All right. Uh, and Pooh. Well, uh, too bad Q's not on here because he, he's going to miss a landmark, landmark moment on uh, podcast juice. Um, I have to applaud uh, Mr. Obama there. Uh, the fact that he's being this transparent with these drone strikes and actually is going to pay restitutions to civilians caught up in it. I, I've never heard any other president in the past do anything like that for uh, civilian death. So I tip my hat to him. But it is kind of scary to think about, like, wow, you know, the the, the way technology is that people are just getting, <laughs> you know, normally you have to storm into a town uh, to have civilian casualty. Now it's just uh, one one cat probably sitting in his basement in uh, Nebraska using a remote and just wiping out whole wiping out uh, whole uh, villages. Yeah, man, got that joystick. It's like, all right, let's it's your target. Boom. You know, it's 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 you know, it, obviously, yeah, with technology definitely changes warfare. Um, no doubt about it. And, you know, my, like I said, my whole point really to bring this up, even if we just stick to the 64, you know, that's 64 civilians. That's that's a that's the person standing next to you. That's you. You know, that's somebody who didn't ask to be in this shit. And they did. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we here because of them, <laughs> in a sense. Like, I mean, like, we got peace, but somebody had to pay the price for that. And, and again, my whole thing is to say, you know, we just have to acknowledge, uh, I guess you could, you could look at it as a good thing or whatever it is. You know, freedom is not free. You know, we don't like to talk about this because this shit is because re- it's hard. But that's the reality. Like, this is from the White House. I'm not like making some shit up or, you know, you can dispute the numbers, but you just stick with their numbers. You know, one is too many, but there's 64 people, man, that's that's catching some shit. And, you know, it is what it is. You know, uh, the other part, too, is. Um, I know F- I know FBI and CIA, they all over this podcast. But what the fuck? <laughs> but. That's why, for me, when I look at stuff that be happening, you know, there was a terrible situation that just happened this morning or last night. Uh, some hostages. Did you guys see that? <coughs> no. It's a, it a big thing. I think it's 20 hostages killed or some crazy shit. Where? Oh, I got to pull it up. Um, what's up? Was it in Bangladesh? 20 killed, yeah. American, American was among them. Uh, three U.S. college students were also reported killed after gunmen stormed a restaurant near multiple embassies in the capital of Dhaka uh, during a, a siege that lasts 12 hours. So, uh, the assault marks a dramatic new phase in Bangladesh's battle against the jihadist uh, militancy. I mean, there's a lot of crazy shit going on out here. Of course, there's a lot of shit that happens in America. Obviously, the one in Orlando, right? That dude said he was on some ISIS stuff. There's a lot of American citizens committing terrorist acts. Obviously, you know, a lot of these last few things that happened, 
people got ties to uh, ISIS or different things of that nature. Um, so we got a lot of shit going on here because of all this madness. But when you look at all these reports and you just start looking at them, it's like I can I gotta be careful when I say this, but it doesn't surprise me that all this madness is going on because people were dying. <laughs> so, I mean, again, it's the same thing that happens in South Central and Chicago and all the other places around us. Oh, you killed the homie or this and that? Well, they're going to go riot on you. Right? If somebody was to bomb my family, probably best believe I'm not going to be on some kumbaya. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Who did? <laughs> okay. I'm going to be Batman. How about that? How about I just be Batman? But, yeah, this is just some wild stuff out here. Let me bring this. I know this is like, whoa, Mike is going on some other shit. Let me bring it back to some movie shit. I just watched... Um, London is Falling, uh, the sequel to was it White House Down or White House uh, is Falling or something like that. Olympus is Falling. Olympus is Falling, which I like that. I mean, it was a cool little action movie, right? And I thought, Olymp- I said, okay, London is Falling. This is like it's going to be on some bullshit. But I was like, let me go ahead and watch this. I'm going to tell you something. That was one of my favorite movies this year because it was hardcore action and it was ridiculous. Like the bullets was flying heavy. Uh, I don't know who directed that movie. The first one was directed by um, my guy who did Training Day. I can't think of his name right now. Anton Fuqua. And, Anton Fuqua. He didn't. I don't think he directed this one. But it was this one was even more hardcore. But they was in London, and it was a cold movie. But the beginning of the movie was so cold blooded because it was like these terrorist type dudes. They was in some Middle Eastern country or whatever, but they were having a wedding. Uh, so they had all their kids and the families there and stuff, and it was so cold that they showed uh, they showed some um, some some secret base, American base or something. And the the white dude he looked at the look the kid. It was a young soldier. He said, "Okay, you got the clearance." And the kid was just sitting at a computer desk, and he had a little joystick in his hand, and the screen when he was on, he was controlling the drone, and he just had that drone blow up that whole wedding. I was like, "Damn." You know, just to get that one cat, they had they took them all out. Fuck, we riding on all of them. And I was like, damn, that's cold, buddy. Because normally they wouldn't show that in a movie. Like, but this was the motivation of why you know London was gonna fall. And apparently, like one of the the, the lead terrorist dude, he survived or something. But I was like, and and so his plan was, of course, you know, to go after the American president and stuff. But he ended up shutting down London, like. He had a squad of cats. He was infiltrated into the police network and the, and the what's they call that with the uh, James Bond organization? He's MI six or something like that. MI six. Yeah, he had cats in that in that unit. You couldn't trust nobody. And like they was going after Queen Elizabeth, all them cats. But I was like, that's my man though, because they rolled on his family. Like, what is he supposed to do? He was a gangster, so he was like, I know who did this shit. I'm riding on all you motherfuckers. I was like, this is a cold-blooded movie. But of course, you know, um, my Spartan dude. What's his name? We are Spartan. You know, he stars in the movie. Gerard Butler. Yeah, Gerard Butler. He's a bad motherfucker. He's a bad motherfucker. He was getting it in on this movie. That's why I love it, man. Because it was just him and the president. The president played by Two-Face. Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. They was just, it was just them in the streets 
I almost said Harvey Dent. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it started out. It was actually Angela Bassett, but then when she got took down, it was just Spartan and Two Face in the streets going against a mob of terrorist cats. It was a cold blooded movie. It was, it was dope, man. But uh, it just made me think of some real shit. I was like, and you know, it was funny because if you look at that movie, it looked like that movie was financed by some uh, like Dubai type cats because their name was all at the front of the movie. I was like. It's not an American flick. And I was like, that's probably why they showed that drone thing to sort of justify why they deal with it. But I was like, this is an interesting movie, man. But I was like, that's how that shit be happening. Like, it's casualties, good or bad, for both sides. So anyway, I'm just on this whole rant. But check out London's Fallen. And yeah, some wild shit going on out here, man. Um, any topics y'all wanted to bring in that I have to... Oh, I know what I was going to bring in too, but go ahead. Any any topics that you guys wanted to bring in? Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit <clears throat> about the aftermath of Captain America being in Hydra. Ah, Cap, I, Cap, Cap number oh, yeah. two came out this week. Yeah, break that down for us. I did look into that. Okay. I'm going to spoil this so you have been warned. <clears throat> Excuse me. At the last Avengers event uh, standoff at Pleasant Hill, Cap was an old fart. He had been de-aged by a sentient expression of the cosmic cube, a little girl. She de-aged him, made him back to normal. And now you see Captain America number one. Apparently he's been in Hydra the entire time. Not quite. Apparently, the fragment of the cosmic cube that became the little girl that de-aged him was under the thrall, not thrall, under the impression of the Red Skull. And she looks at the Red Skull like his, like it's a father figure. And so the Red Skull was doing some dirt behind the scenes in the standoff miniseries. And there was one of his flunkies, a doctor, who died. The, the cube resurrected him, and it resurrected him with memories of things about being in Hydra that never happened. Hmm. And so when S.H.I.E.L.D. found the little girl, you know, they're trying to help her do her thing and all that, but her allegiance on the most innocent, basic level is to Red Skull, because he used to read her stories as a little, you know, as a kid and all this, so she's about the Red Skull, and so the Red Skull said, hey, if we bring back Cap and make him one of us, there you go. He can lead my army to take over the world. So when she de-aged Cap, she put in all these memories that we saw in issue number one, that did not happen. These are all false memories now, and the skull is behind the scenes just pulling all the strings. This just got a lot better. You know, I, I didn't like that, actually. I did. Because I just it felt like there was an easy way to say, oh, okay, he isn't really a Hydra. I mean, he's been brainwashed. So it sort of excludes him from taking responsibility. I was eh. And that's the thing, because uh, they said that uh, Axel said when this came out that he wasn't going to be under mind control or things like that. And I'm like, but essentially he is. That's right. Agree. He did say that. Didn't he he said that, but that's not mind control. He's not being told what to do. They just put this back there. He believes these memories are genuine. There's no mind control here. He's, so he's doing been this. Brain, he's been brainwashed. I want to say brainwashed. Yeah. I mean, he's been fucked with. I wouldn't say brainwashed. But he's not doing this in his right mind 
where you know it, which you is know what, what they mean? led us to believe yeah like he no this is what he really believes because this is what he chose to do it wasn't because some outside forces implanted some thought into his head or blah 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 so he really so this is the easy way to he's not really like if he really was in his right mind he wouldn't be doing this no no he wouldn't that's i, I don't know marvel man Oh, Marvel's slipping lately. Let's, let's be real. That's a heavy click. It was not, it's not clickbait. It's, 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 it's heavy bait buying. <laughs> it is. It is. Marvel is slipping, but DC, on the other hand, has just really stepped it up a lot. Yes, they have. Yes, you know, with all these new Rebirth books, they have really done their thing. I, I got nothing but respect for DC right now. Yeah, I'm actually really feeling the the Rebirths. I've been reading them, reading all of them, actually, and I've really, been really enjoying it, man. It's like, I don't know what they're doing different, but... Something about it was just like I, I understand stuff. I want to read it. Even the I was reading the Batman books. I'm like, okay. And Superman, I was like, they gotta explain this Clark Kent thing, but I'm I'm all in. It's, it's easy to follow along. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it is. But, but with that said, also wanted to bring into. Did you guys watch Batman v Superman: The Ultimate Edition? Have you seen that? Did not. No. But I'm hearing some good things about it, though. I've watched this thing twice. <laughs> uh, now, I already like the movie going in. So there's that. But I will say this. This new version uh, is a way better version of the movie. And I'll tell you why quickly. One, it... So the, one of the problems that I had with the original movie is that it just seems so choppy and it just like jump from things to things and you're just like, what the fuck? Okay, why? What's going on? This movie lets the scenes run out. It may, it, it under, you understand how they get to, if it was like A, B, and C, the theatrical version skips B. <laughs> you just jump to C and you're like, okay. This one has the C in it. So for instance, like at the when they're in Africa... You know, that scene, this one sort of explains and plays out what's really going on there. Uh, you got you to gotta jump out, Ampu? Uh-oh. He's been overruled. <laughs> All right, Ampu, we will see you later. I don't know if you can hear me. I guess not. Yeah, All right. She, she, she's on him. <laughs> but this one sort of explains. the dear. Hilarious. This one explains what was going on in Africa. So... Why would they think that Superman would kill those people? You just watch them. No one would. No, Superman wouldn't shoot people. Why would they think? He, but it shows you what really happens there, uh, and why they would sort of paint it that he did that. Uh, it shows you a lot more Clark Kent, Superman in this movie. You see that Clark was going to Gotham and he's investigating and talking to people about Batman and why he felt that he had to go stop Batman. You know he's. The guy that was branded by Batman, you, and you see that part where the, there was a guy who got branded by Batman. We see what happens to that guy when he goes to prison. But we also see that it was Lex Luthor who was actually behind why Katz is getting killed in prison that they had the, the Bat brand. It was this whole scheme by Lex. And we see that Clark Kent, he had interviewed the family of that cat that Batman caught. And even though he was a criminal, he had a wife and kids and they, you know, they were like, he didn't deserve to get killed over this shit. And so he was, he under, you know, so he gave more of a motivation like, OK, I got to stop this guy. He also saw more of Lex 
and his plan of what he was doing between Batman and Superman and how he was really playing those two against each other and also how he was playing the Congress situation as well. It makes more sense now why Superman was standing in that Congress thing and it blew up. In a regular movie, just like he just stands there, cats get blown up and he's like, fucking I'm out. <laughs> but in the extended version, he didn't just leave. He was pulling people out of there. He was saving people and he was standing on the steps for a while and he didn't just jet out. Like he stood around and helped people. He was being Superman. So you got to see all that kind of stuff. So it actually makes the shit more uh makes more sense uh if if you will uh so that's the good thing about the uncut version is that it kind of explains things that are going on it doesn't change what you know people have a problem with uh the tone of the movie it's not going to change that it doesn't change the martha scene uh, <laughs> with batman and superman but to me it just makes it a more complete movie. It's long, but I look at it now. I was like, you know what? This, if they would have had to release this movie, what they would have had to deal with was that it's very long. But if they were able to get the critical uh, cosign, I think people would have said, you know what? This is a dope movie. It's not like any other comic book movie out there. It's you know it's dark it's it's long but you can easy, you can understand what's going on and it it's just this epic type of movie you know it may still have some of the tone problems people don't care for but if you do care for that you'll be like yo this shit is amazing but I can see how they were probably like we don't know how people will take to this it is it, it's, it's long uh, it's dark it's all these these little checkpoints that could be problems. Maybe we should try to eliminate some of these checkpoints. And I think they say, well, let's eliminate some of the story, which was a disservice to what I think Zach was doing. And I, and in the movie, you know, got trashed by some people. Uh, but like I said, to me, this is the far superior version of the movie. Uh, and I, I love it. I was just like, yeah, this, this shit is dope. I love that they, you know, there's some more violent type of stuff. You, uh, the the Batman scene where he's fighting in that warehouse, they put a few little things in there. But one of the things you really got to see, like there was the scene where he throws that crate at somebody. That motherfucker gets lifted off the ground, head crack against the back wall, and blood comes spearing. I was like, damn, Batman is no joke. And then there's one other part where the dude stabs Batman, which is in the original one. But after he stabs him, Batman takes out another dude. Batman takes that knife jams it into the dude and then go fights another dude and then Batman comes back <laughs> to that dude who stabbed him and and he's so yoked up and he's like he's about to fuck this dude up and he just like lunges at him and they cut it and I just assume he killed the dude so I was like damn this Batman he's not fucking around and then lastly I would say there was a great part at the end uh, they extend out the the funeral scene, but there's a, another part too when Batman goes to see Lex Luthor in the prison, and Batman tells Luthor, "Nigga, you going to Arkham?" Like they took that out of the movie, but he's like, "Oh, you think you're gonna just get a nice little prison stay?" He's like, "Nah, I put in the word. You getting transferred to Arkham? I, my people's is in there, and I'm gonna be on your ass." <laughs> Lex was like, he was talking shit. He's like, "Oh shit." <laughs> like yeah nigga 
I'm coming. You ain't, yeah, you ain't gonna have the. He's like, I'm coming for you, homie. But it was just dope, man. I, I, I really love that movie. It's not perfect at all, but uh, it, it's fun. I just put it that way. But I would say definitely go check it out. You said it was longer and darker than the released version, correct? Well, I would say it's longer. I don't know if it's any much darker. There's a few little more. Like if you look for it, you can see some of the little little blood thing there. But it's already dark. It's just longer. And there's a lot more Easter eggs. But wasn't Watchmen pretty long, though? The uh, director's cut is long, yes. And the director's cut, to me, is far superior than the release, but it's not for everybody. Interesting. Interesting. See now, because didn't Snyder do Watchmen? He did. He now did. that you know, we, so this one that you have, this is then essentially the director's cut. Yeah. Yep. It's just the. I would imagine. You know, the, I don't know if you remember the early reports. And I think Sean Hill is back. There were early reports that uh, Warner Brothers ex- executives had. You know, it was a big standing ovation when they saw the movie. But there was some concern. They didn't know like how people would take to it. And I think this is what they were talking about. And then they edited it down to what they released, you know, uh, because, again, I'm not saying this makes it a perfect movie, but it makes it flow way more better. And you get to see a lot of people complain you didn't get to see Superman or, or Clark Kent. You get that, you know, the, the, the little subplot is back in there. Okay. Uh, a couple of little okay. characters thrown in there. Like I said, so to me, it just is it makes more of what I love even better. It makes the story easier stuff makes sense. I'm like, oh, okay, that's why they was getting those little pictures in the mail. Uh, this is what that was about. You know, uh, it introduces Jimmy Olsen is introduced in them. And this one, you know, he's an, you know, he introduces himself as Jimmy Olsen, but you understand that he was probably undercover, you know, FBI, whatever it was. So it just, you know, See, Superman. That I don't like. Yeah, and I get that, but it's like it makes more sense though. They just because in the release one, they never say his name is Jimmy Olsen. No, no, they don't. But at least in this one, okay. But then they also give nod to uh, Talon from the Night of Owls. Is another he's another operative that they got out there that was trying to get to Jimmy Olsen and Lois before the shit went down. But the United States government sent the drone. To take him out. And that's when Superman comes in. He takes out that drone plane first. And the bad guys know Superman is coming. So they burn all those bodies to make it look like he did it. And they get out before Superman gets there. So that's when you kind of see how it, obviously people would think that Superman has something to do with it. But then they also show that the United States government knew he didn't have nothing to do with it. And they knew Lex was uh, doing some shit on the sly. And they was investigating that shit, and it started to all come out. So it was, like I say, it was a, you know, and of course, and they show the was his name Steppenwolf, yeah, thing. So you see that Lex was really learning a lot of shit, and he may have alert, alerted them to his presence or whatever. Um, there was even some funny uh, Watchmen Easter eggs in the movie, which I don't know if they're trying to go the rebirth route or not, but. Uh, you know, they had a, um, there's a football game between many, uh, many of them, <laughs> Metropolis and Gotham. And one of the players on the sidelines just holds up a sign that's uh, President Truman from the Watchmen. Oh, shit. He's just like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> I was like, okay. And then, and then uh, it cuts from that 
And it's going to the scene where they first show Batman in the movie. But it shows those police officers. They were sitting in their squad car and they were watching the game. But there was a, a billboard that the camera pans from. And on the billboard, it says the, the end is nigh or high or whatever, yep. which is directly yep. from Russia. Watchmen. So I was like, man, they're really throwing in the, the Watchmen shit. Well, so Zach did that movie, so yeah. why not? Yeah. But uh, yeah, man. So I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fan of that movie. Um, definitely check it out. I think it's worth watching at least once the uncut version. I gotta see this now. Now, now I'm excited about it now. Yeah, man, it's it's cool, and you know, I love the costumes and, and the look of it. That I would give it that. I, I don't, you know, I love Civil War and all those ones too. I, I just think that Warner Brothers. One thing I will give them is that they go all in on the production. Like the look of that movie and the look of the costumes and the details and shit that's going on, I, I can't front on that. Like they, they, they go in on the look of the movie. Definitely see where they spend their money at. But with that said, uh, anything else before we get up out of here? It's been a long one. Uh, no, no, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this. I want to pick it up and take a look at it. And in fact, I'm probably, since it's a three-day weekend, yes. I'm going to probably watch a little Watchmen this weekend. Love that movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's right. It's a three-day weekend. Yeah, I would see. Yeah, I rent the, uh, I think you can rent it on their, you know, whatever service you use. Check it on there. I just, I just rented, uh, watched this morning, Toy Story 3. Like, I don't know. They watch a three. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a kid's movie. It's an excellent fucking movie, man. It's like, damn, this movie is really good. Check that out. Um, What else? So we talked about comics real quick, man. So I have, I'm actually starting the process of working on my first comic book. Yes! Uh, yes! Let's talk about that, man. Yeah, the man. art is magnificent. Yes, yeah, shout out wow. to, to, to my man Dallas. Uh, he hooked that all up. I'm not, I don't want to shout out the artist's name just yet, um, but it's definitely uh, it's an artist. He has some some work on Image Comics uh, quite a bit, actually. Uh, he's very, from the stuff I've seen, just from the stuff he did, uh, excellent. But basically what we're going to do is do a comic book version of my uh, novel, Truth's Destiny. So that's sort of, that's the goal right now. So it's just, a, you know, working out that script and, and getting that all together, you know, getting the artists on board and, and, and all that good stuff and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how many issues and, you know, can we get it published through a, a publisher or do we do it self-published? So we're still working on that. But I did get some original line art. I finally got it in the mail yesterday. Blew me away, man. Like I've never, one, I've never had anything drawn before. Uh, but to hold it in my hands and to see the pencils and the ink, it was a game changer for me. I just looked at that. And I was just like, damn, incredible. Like the guy did an incredible job. I put a little video on my Facebook page showing some of it, but I'm excited, man. How did this all come about? It was, you know, it's so interesting. Uh, Dallas, uh, shout out to him, man. He said he hooked it all up. You know, he, he read the book before and he, he said, well, he found a, a section of the book he thought would work. Uh, he went and read, you know, I call it translated. He took, you know, my prose novel and wrote it into comic book and, you know, described the panels and everything. He found the artist, you know, 
got the artist on board. He cut the check. He set that whole thing up, man. He actually surprised me with the with the art. I, I was like, I was like, what is this? And he's like, dude, this is your book. And I'm almost like, what? And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, this seems vaguely familiar for me, but I didn't know what it. <laughs> you know, I was like, wait a minute. And so that's how it came to be. And we had had a conversation before, because uh, he's a writer uh, in his own right and, and is working on a book and stuff. And he was kind of telling me like, yo, you could you know, make a comic of this thing, man. I think it would work just as well, if not better. But I couldn't see the vision. You know, I just never done anything like that before. And just it just seemed like it's so, you know, next level or something. I don't know. And, and just I couldn't visualize it in my mind. And so he went and got it done. You know, and he put money in his mouth was got the talent on board and I was like, Oh, okay. Now I see now I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. I can see this. So, you know, all I've been doing these last couple of weeks, man, is just, I've been learning, you know, coloring. I'm just, I want to know it all. So I've been watching all the videos, you know, I jumped on my Photoshop messing around. So I'm just really engulfing myself or jumping all into this. And that's the goal, Mac. I want to have a four book run, you know, initially, and you know, professional quality the whole shot, man. It would be it'd be excellent if it could be you know with an image or something like that. And we'll, we're definitely gonna look into that. Uh, but either way, it's gonna be you know a finished book. You know that that looks that's dope. I'm not gonna put out no half ass you know, stuff. No, no, the art looks great that I've seen. Yeah, it's it, it, excellent, man. I I was like, it's only gonna get better. Just wait till it's colored. Cause it's gonna be colored and stuff too. Oh, it's gonna be ridiculous, man. No, I can already see. I can already see sitting at uh, you know San Diego Comic Con, yep. Emerald City, or something with the booth or whatever. Yeah. Oh, dude, you gotta go to Emerald City. Yeah, I already see it, man. I already see it. Who are you gonna say something? Dude, I gotta get some pages. You know, because oh, when sure. the, when it goes into this uh, production phase and they start doing original art pages, oh, thank you. That'll be me. Oh, for sure, man. I'm prepared. I, I got house. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, hey, you probably be on the the board of directors to you know, yo man, check this out. What do you think of this? Da, da, da. Yeah, I mean, that is so cool, man. That is so cool. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Definitely. All right. Well, Actually, let me ask you this. Yes. I'm just this just popped into my head because uh, I think Sean mentioned this man earlier. Why wasn't Lily Kravitz at this Prince thing? They were friends. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe he uh, was doing something else. You, you never know. There's a lot of people that they could have had up there. I, I have no idea why they weren't there, you know. Like, you couldn't get everybody. Yeah, yeah, you know? true, true. People do have schedules, and there are travel restrictions and things like that that we have to, you know, consider. Yeah. But I, I thought for what they, for what it was, though, I, you know, I, I was surprised, and it was, it was good. It was better than I thought it would be, actually. Yes, yeah, they did a good job, man. Because I, mean, yeah. I remember they did the one tribute for Prince, God, several years ago when um, Esperanza Spalding was there. All and right. she just stole the show as far as I'm concerned. Didn't they, didn't they have like Trey songs try to do Purple Rain or something like yeah. that? Yeah. that wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't work out too well. That's, see, that's what scared me the most. <laughs> when BT starts talking, we're going to do it better. It's like, okay, don't bring out no Trey songs, man. <laughs> Designer doing Jackie uh, Wolf. Uh, 
And what was that deal with uh, Usher? What the fuck was he doing? <sighs> Usher and and your girl. Um, Usher was basically doing a tribute to Master P. Apparently, apparently <laughs> I was geez. like, "What is he?" Saying? I was like, "Is he singing about Master P?" Make him say, uh, no, "No limit." Was I was like, "Wow, good look for Master P." But goddamn, Usher, that, that was not good. <laughs> and Alicia Keys channeled her uh, Thomas Dolby up there. Uh, I don't know what the hell she was doing. I don't either. She wasn't ready to do that kind of performance. And... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stick to the little keyboard. Or a piano playing, but yeah, yeah, man. Complete, I'm thinking, am, am I missing something here? What, what the hell is this? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. With that. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, I ended up watching. I watched like the pre-show online. They had like three separate live pre-show stages going online. You could switch between. And one of them was uh, hosted by uh, Shameless Maya, who did that uh, Prince. Oh, yeah. Well, one who didn't know the people on the uh, other <laughs> Right. Yeah, the she, genius. She yeah. did one. And uh, a couple of so I was watching some of that. I, I want to say this, man. There's a lot of very beautiful people in attendance. I, I tip my hat. Like, whew. Definitely. Uh, people were definitely showing out with the clothing and came nice and everything. So that was dope. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think about this? I, I don't know if this is indicative of past awards from BET, but this was carried on a lot of the Viacom networks. Yes, it was. Yeah, I don't know if they normally do it that. I think it was on, like, on Nickelodeon. And it was on MTV. It was, it was everywhere. Yeah. VH1, too, yeah. But, you know, I guess it goes to show, you know, uh, Viacom is like, hey, we're going to maximize this thing out and get as many viewers as possible. I'm, I don't. I didn't see the numbers, and I'm sure a lot of people watch the show. You know, my ego is saying that this was because of the Prince tribute that it was <laughs> out there. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Could be because you know uh, Alicia Keys and Usher and Home Skillet, that that other dude. What was his name? Oh shit! The one you mentioned that no one had ever heard of. Designer. Thank you. Him. <laughs> I don't think they're going to warrant all that exposure. <laughs> you know, because those performances were just foul. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of people, though, they that's, you know, they like those people. I mean, too, those people do have, obviously, they're the biggest things going right now. So they are. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's why they are in there. Oh, Not that I listen bad, to it, but we in bad shape musically, man. Oh yeah, we've been in bad shape, but yes. Yeah, it's because uh, this is just not good. <laughs> yeah, but you know that's why. Oh, and I always wanted to bring this up too, um, and I wanted to get Sean on this because I know he's in Oakland now. I saw this story um, about a, a young man. Actually, he's got a family and stuff, and he was he. Uh, Sort of, you know, getting forced out of his home. Yeah, the rap guy, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you were forced out, but I can understand, you know, you can't afford to live where you live anymore because of gentrification and stuff. And and he was talking about, you know, I think the song is called Tech Money. Yes. And, you know, it's sort of saying like all these, and this is happening here in Seattle, which I'm sure is happening a lot of places. Uh, But you have this influx of tech workers coming in, uh, like for here locally, it'd be Amazon, right? 
Uh, so there's a, uh, you know, like the presence of Amazon has sort of transformed Seattle, particularly the downtown core area and surrounding. And it is, you know, I mean, there's so much construction and re- new places. It's not even funny. And people can't afford, you know, to live in these areas anymore because they're bringing in these people who work for Amazon, getting good salary or whatever. And they can just spend, you know, two or $3,000 a month for a rent because it ain't not, you know, they're getting paid. They can afford to do that. And so the, you know, the landlords are like, well, shit, if, if they can afford it, yeah, I'm going to raise my rates. You know, I, I get this money. It's a business. And, but of course the people who live in these areas, they ain't working for Amazon. So they're priced out. Right. And, you know, my man had a, a rap song about it. And, and I think the video actually shows his family moving and, and stuff, but this, and and I and I feel for this. I, I'm in a situation. I live, I live 49, I don't know, 40, maybe 40 miles away from where I work. Right? It's because I can't necessarily afford right now to live there. But my thing is this too, though. And I said this on Facebook. I'm like, we're rapping, and they're coding. They're coding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who's the Mac? Uh, the the thing is. Times change, you know, business change, marketplace change, and you got to roll with change. That's just a part of America. There's always industries fall, come and go. And you got to, you know, readjust your skills to fit. Uh, It's a free market. Uh, The Internet opened the door for everybody. We wouldn't even be doing this show. Without you know, what I mean, like it enabled us to to, we speak in now and I can guarantee there's people around the globe listening. Right, it has opened up a lane where we couldn't go walk into the radio station and say, hey, "I want to do a show." They're like, "Okay, and uh, doors that way." Fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't need their cosign right now, right? Uh, all we need is just figure out how to make it happen. And I'm at the end of the day, though, as much as I feel for this situation, my thing is this too: uh, you can go learn the code, right? Uh, there are paid websites. Uh, there's, I think I want to say Treehouse or Code Monkey, as some of them I've signed up with. There are books. There are, there's videos on YouTube that are free. There's a whole tutorial series on YouTube that would be free, and you can you know if you want to get the information, you can get. There's no barrier to go learn how to code. Now, if you know that this is what they hiring right now and this is where the job market is this is where all the these businesses if oh you know how to call you know how to do? oh c- come on in <laughs> oh we'll move you we'll pay for your move this is true you know i see this every day particularly out here in seattle yeah microsoft google amazon blah 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 but this is what they're looking for now if you know that's what the job market is at and you don't want to take what, do what it needs to do. Whose fault is that? It'd be different. Was well, I can't afford to go to school. And okay, that's cool. You don't need to. There's no cost to do this. It costs you your time. But you can go learn the code. So you can't get a good job or paint job that you want or whatever. You can't go do that. So that's my whole thing. Is like maybe we. Now, okay, rap is dead. <laughs> you know, and I love rap, you know, hip hop and all that. But is it serving us? 
Because they ain't hiring nobody that can rap. Cats ain't even buying music no more. So maybe we might want to get off of that. And let me go get this book. Uh, let me go learn how to write a program or, you know what I mean, or make websites. Because this is what bring home the bacon right now. Otherwise, you don't get left behind. And like I said, there really ain't no excuse. If you can know how to use Facebook and spend all your time on Facebook, Twitter, then you could take that time that you use it on the Internet and go watch some videos and, and follow along and learn how to code. So you can actually create something and make some money or go get a job because that's what's in demand. Because otherwise, it don't make no sense to me. Like, if you see that the, the market is changing, and fortunately enough to get into that market, you, you're you already paying to get online. Right? Sorry. You're already on Netflix. You're already on <laughs> Facebook. You're already on Twitter. You already got a cell phone that you're paying monthly to be on. So you're online. You already got a computer. What are you doing with that computer? Are you just watching shit? Are you using it to create something or learn? That's the that's all. That's why I'm like, man, we better start learning how to even teach these kids how to get on their math and, and get this coding because that's what everybody else is doing. <laughs> why do you think they got any jobs? I'm of the I'm of mindset on a couple things on this. Um, the the story in Oakland about the rapper being you know, forced out of the house house and all that. And a lot of people in San Francisco who have been, you know, required to move, unfortunately. But, and again, I could be a little naive and I, I admit this, but if a person is renting a property for 10, 20 years, why don't you just buy it? And that way you can be protected from this situation. Yeah, I mean, there there, there is that. I think, too, the other part of that would be you could buy it, but I guess the problem, I know at least what happened here is that there's a lot of people who own these homes, but the home next to yours is now worth, you know, $6 million. <laughs> Got to get paid. And the other home on the other side of you is worth 10. Uh, at some point, you're probably not going to be able to pay the property taxes. You know, Very well. Okay. They, they don't went up so high now that you will be priced out. So, I, and I get that. Like that's the true gentrification to me, and that's unfortunate because, uh, you know, you may still. And that's sort of where my grandparents are at. You know, that neighborhood has transformed dramatically. Uh, it's a blessing that they still can stay there. But I know the struggle is that those property taxes don't went to a whole nother level. And, you know, you you, you got to sort of keep up with the Joneses. Unfortunately, the Joneses, you know, they redid that house and made it a $10 billion estate. Like, God damn. Uh, I bought this house back in, you know, I paid this house off in 1988 and I ain't, I'm retired. How the fuck am I going? So I get that. But I'm speaking more to the people who can't get it, don't don't have the job to pay these rents of today. That, that's why I'm like, well, then you might have to change your skill set. I agree. You know, you I mean? know lately, um, <laughs> I've been having some uh, thoughts about you know my past and growing up, and a lot of people that I went to school with and just was around generally back then, you know, were all saying, "Well, you can't go to college because you're a high school dropout and this and that." 
Who's laughing now? There you go. Who's laughing now? And the thing is, and I've said this a million times, what I have done and what people like me have done is not unique to me. You know, like you said earlier, you you have to look around you and change your skill set. You know, if you want to, you know, compete in this marketplace, you need to put down the mic as your primary source of revenue and start coding. Start doing something that is going to make you more marketable. And if you can't do that or refuse to do that, I, I don't always use the word can't. If a person refuses to do that, then this is what's going to happen. Yeah, man. I mean, shit, I, I'm not I'm not immune to this either. You know, like I've, you know, thank God, you know, I um, taught myself Photoshop and uh-huh. some of these other things because that's how I make my money. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, you got to do this or, you know, so you got to sort of diversify yourself. But my thing is to say that we can learn anything we want to because of the Internet. There's no reason why you can't learn how to do these things. doesn't mean you automatically get a job, but at least you got more skills and you're more marketable. And you can't use that excuse like, oh, well, they ain't hiring. No, they ain't hiring. You just don't know how to do it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the only jobs they show are hiring. <laughs> they don't have enough people. That's why they're pulling them from overseas. You know, let me go ahead and take my, my veiled shot at millennials. A lot of youngins think they are too good to do the work, to do something they feel is beneath them, but at the same time, they want to stay on the sidelines and bitch. Can't be both ways. Nah. Can't be both ways. Yeah, it can't, you know. And uh, like I said, man, it's out there, man. The the, the internet was the, the great equalizer as far as I'm concerned in terms of, you know, opportunity and access. Because uh, as far as I know, there ain't no... When you log in or when you turn on your Comcast, it don't ask for your race before nope. you get on. <laughs> so, ain't no, I mean, you can go to any website you want to. It's just to choose what you want to do. You can either sit there and play around on social media or, whatever, or you can be on something that let me log in and get my learn on. So, I can, now I know how to do Oh, so I can make the next Facebook or I can, I can go get hired by Facebook. So, I can stop being a uh, a consumer of Facebook, now I can go in and get some of this Facebook money. Right? Because, hey, uh, anybody can start anything they want, man. Or or you may be like, Look, I got an idea. I don't know how to program. Well, I know where to go where I can hire some programs for, you know, dirt cheap and, and turn my idea into reality so I can get this thing started. But, man, we got to, you know, Got to start using your your time wisely, man, and start using your brain uh, because they're going because things going to keep on rolling on. (laughs) It ain't going to never not be, you know, what I mean, the next thing or moving into the next plateau. So you can either stay in the past or you can move into the future. That's it. You know, the good old man back in the day. Yeah, that was back in the days. Right now we on this, man. And we about to be on some other stuff. So. That's right. You know, people don't don't seem to get that. You know, and you got to get out there and <clears throat> always expand your skill set. Always, you have to. Yeah, and ain't no age thing either. That's bullshit. No, again, ain't no age check <laughs> to go on to the site to learn something. I don't see what was. Oh, you're too young. You're too old. It won't let you come in. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, they ain't hiring at that type of bullshit. 
I, they got cats. I, t- I see them right now. Amazon, they got older people in there, younger people in there, all races in there. They just want the smartest motherfuckers, man. That's are you prepared it. to do the work? Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Can you do the work? Are, are you good at what you do? Well, come on in. Oh, you, ain't, you don't know what you're doing? Get up out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you can speak. Oh, you Middle Eastern? Uh, but you know how to do it? Come on in. Oh, Let's you go. black? You know how to do it. You white? Whatever. You know how to Come on in. They're not tripping. Now, there may be some games once you get in there, but hey, man. It's all about what you know. And I guarantee you, if you make a name for yourself out here, they're going to come at you. Because they want what you got. That's right. And like, oh, you could be an asset to our team. Or, man, we want a little bit of that. I want some of that Michael Dean over here. Because, man, you, you, you're killing it out there. We want some of that. You got to make yourself indispensable. You know? That's the phrase. You got to make yourself indispensable. So, so they don't need to go outside of the house to find something that you can do. Exactly. They just come to you. Hey, Mike, can you do this? Yeah, let's go. Yep. So, yeah, man, it's, we got to keep our skills up. We got to stay sharp, sharpen ourselves up. It's okay to say, I don't know how to do this. Let me learn or let me go find the answer. I don't need to know how to do it, but I can get somebody who can do it. Just, just got to be smart about it. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, let me get off the pole pit. Well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, Big Sexy, where can they find you online? Uh, I can still be found on at. Twitter, Big Sexy and Sack on, on the Facebook under Mark Wiggins. All right. You can find me here at Podcast Juice. Let me give this early warning now. There may not be a show next week and maybe what? for a couple of weeks. But it's good news because my kids will be flying in on the 7th of July. They're oh, coming in from Hawaii. They're going to be here for a few weeks with me. So I'm kind of like... I'm going to be just straight spending all my time, yeah. you know, with them and stuff. So I don't know if I'll be getting on the mic, man, because I haven't seen them in a couple of years. So, yeah, it's going down. I can't wait. been a long time coming. And it's summertime, so we're going to have a ball. But if you don't see me for a couple of weeks, that's why. i probably post some pictures and stuff. But I'm just going deep, deep, double, triple down daddy time. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, got to, man. Yeah, got man. to. That is great. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm excited. All right. With that, hey, work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Preach.